I have no idea where our traffic came from on the last episode. We're like over 2,000 hits. I'm what? like, we didn't have anyone famous. I don't know if they'll be back. I yeah. can't promise that they didn't pl- press play and then nope the fuck out 15 minutes later, which I respect. <laughs> I, I fully would have done that. I mean, did um, we accidentally upload like a porn track instead? You know, I don't listen to our podcast, so I have no idea what Shaheen sent me. I just made sure to upload it. So maybe. everyone, and welcome to Maybe Geek Again, a podcast where we cover sci-fi TV shows through the lens of philosophy and dick jokes, uh, which will actually become really relevant in just a minute. Um, my name is Joe, and I'm joined by my contemplative co-hosts, Shaheen and Bubs. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Hello. Sorry about the music um, next this... door. I don't I'll mute myself it. now. Okay. <laughs> um, this is episode 100 of our podcast, uh, and we are going to be talking about Humans, season three, episodes three and four. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. We also love fan feedback, so feel free to come yell at us on Twitter at MaybeGeekAgain or at MaybeGeekAgain at gmail.com. And of course, we will always post the episodes to Reddit. Maybe that subreddit is dead, but um, so yeah, maybe I'll take that part out of the thing, but <laughs> maybe we'll post it. I don't know. Sorry for false advertising. Um, it is great to have you here, guys. Uh, we usually start with like a little icebreaker um, and relevant to our philosophy and dick jokes. Uh, Bubs has come up with a wonderful icebreaker game that is very on brand for us, which is um, now that Leo has woken up uh, from his coma of a year and is no longer... Um, part robot he is human now um was he better at sex before um he became fully human when he was part robot or is he better now that he is fully human um what do you guys think about that philosophy and dick joke portion of the show (laughs) oh and also what are you drinking who wants to go first? It's just silence. <laughs> okay, I'm fine. I'll go first. Bubs. <laughs> um, I'm drinking a tequila with Sprite because I was not prepared for today, so I had no wine or beer. Um, and I mean, it's not bad, actually. I, I thought it was going to taste like really college but it's good. Hmm? What kind of tequila? Uh, the best kind, Kirkland. No, okay, but like, is it silver? Is it silver? Anejo? Is it? Okay. That's, yeah. that's the correct thing, I think, for Sprite. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, So, Leo, I think that – here's what I think. Okay. So, as a part synth, I think that he was very precise in his lovemaking, um, and it was good because of that. Like, you know, hitting all the right buttons at the right time. But competent. Competent, yes. But like the um, like the improvisation of I don't know like the like magic in the moment is not what I think a synth would do. So if he were proficient as a human, he could be better as a synth. But I think the probability is that he is was better as a synth with all those okay. extra little things because he is just a human man. So. So he wouldn't, like, he wouldn't get distracted or anything like that. Like, he would have, like, a much more focused um, delivery. Yeah. And, like, you know how in this episode, um, he's like, oh, right, I forgot about Joe. 
Like, his memory's not what it used to be. Like, before, he'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, this is Becky. Becky likes a one, two, seven, four, one, two, one, two, four, seven, <laughs> you know? And, like, Wait, he is this how straight sex works? <laughs> I'm just quoting friends. <laughs> she, he don't get it. Um, yes, so I got yeah, it. that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, Shaheen, uh, what are you drinking and how do you feel about Leo's sexual abilities? So, okay, so I'm drinking a cocktail that I just frantically made as Joe was introducing, and I was hoping that I wasn't going first. Um, I, it's Maker's Mark whiskey mm. on, uh, on ice, and I add some uh, cranberry juice, some lemon juice, and they're chopped up grapes in there. Wow. What the? F- How is it? Green grapes. Um, Green it's great. Huh. I, that, I don't even know what to say to that, but like I would try it and go. Hmm. <laughs> I feel okay. like if you froze the grapes and then cut them in yeah. half and then they're like the ice, that'd be really cool. They are cut in half, but I don't like to freeze them because I want the fruit to absorb the whiskey and give up. So you basically have like a whiskey sangria. I see. Mm -hmm. Whiskey sangria. Okay, this is gonna get, this is gonna get, like, you guys are, wow, I can't. (laughs) I'm just gonna try to drag this podcast on as long as I can just to see (laughs) how far we can go. Um, Because neither of you are to be trusted when it comes to moderation. Um, How about uh, Leo's uh, prowess in the bedroom, Shaheen? Okay, so Leo... First of all, the whole thing I called it called it out last time. The whole thing is a, a well actual, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's all bullshit. Obviously, it's all retcon. Like, he, they took out his synth parts, whatever that means. It's not a thing. He had like wires coming out of him. Like to take out his synth part, you'd be taking out half of his body. You'd die. Those wires seemed important. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like. His brain was like, I mean, from the beginning, it was kind of, well, actually, because, like, his brain was, like, a mix of, like, chips and, and like, tissue. Um, and they didn't really explain what the interface was between the chips and the issue. Not the issue, mm-hmm. the tissue. Like, right? Like, there has to be a new, some neural interface with the circuits. And it wasn't, like, a thing you could, like, put in a chip and take it out. It, it seemed like it was fully integrated with his brain. So I don't know, like, how they took out that part. And Synapsinths. Is still alive. Anyway. Okay, so. enough equivocating. Is he better in bed? <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I don't fucking even know what happened to him other than his memory isn't as good anymore. Like, what is different about him? Because, like, he always kind of seems a little, like, he has a little cerebral palsy. Um, and, like, you know, mm. like, the way he holds the fork, like... Is he supposed to be, like, have some kind of condition? I don't know, because, like, he, he never seems proficient with his body. Like, he is always kind of, like, <laughs> just wobbling around. He's always, like, at an angle. He's not a st- ever standing straight. Um, so I'm not really sure if he was ever good at, in bed. The, well, I mean, but the time he was a synth, <laughs> he was always injured. He was constantly injured, so I think he's better now. He just seems he just seems healthier. He just seems like is <laughs> is not is not constantly like crawled up in, in like a fetal position crying. So I think maybe he can use his dick. 
<laughs> and I mean, he might not be able to hold a fork that great, but like, it's not like you need a fork to have sex. So <laughs> I mean, you gotta have to hold some things. <laughs> uh. All right. Um, I'm Joe. I'm not drinking anything. And uh, I kind of I'm going to go with you, Shaheen, on this, but it's more of just a vibe, less about like his physical presentation. But like Leo just doesn't seem that good in bed overall. Like there's just <laughs> something about him where I lo- and I know that I am not the target, but I just look at him and I go. It's fine. Like he looks like someone when he has sex and you're just like, it's fine. You know, like so. Quick not, question: I, Is that what happened with Laura and and the Scottish dude? What? What happened? So this is the only, I guess, like there's no good place to bring this up because um, it's completely irrelevant to the story. I think, but like, what happened? They slept together, and then the guy was like, "Okay, get out of my house." Did he not like the sex? I, is that what happened? I think he knew because doesn't he end up kind of somewhat betraying her a little bit i i don't actually remember what happens in their storyline but i think that like he kind of knows that things aren't going to go well for them and like or like he has like he has weird baggage i don't i don't know i don't think that the sex was necessarily bad but i think so did he just want to like get his and then break up no Because, like, I mean, I always got the vibe from him that he thinks, yeah, I'm going to betray you and this is not a good idea. Um, Yeah. I think that was obviously, that was kind of, that came across from the beginning. Um, I think it was more a complication of circumstances. But what happened that, like, they sat, they had sex, right? Because we saw Laura put on her clothes. And then, and they were smoking out and then he's like, yeah, I think let's not hang out anymore. And then she, she kind of, like, tears up. I'm like... Oh, this uh-huh. is that just left open to interpretation, or am I just being too like uh, autistic? <laughs> I think I, I can't remember. I feel like we have to watch the next two episodes to like mm-hmm. refresh my memory of what happened. Okay. So but I'm like, not crazy. I, it was a little. Under. I don't think it's yeah, resolved. No, it was... Yeah, yeah. It's like open ended right now as to what happened. Yeah, like either he doesn't like that he felt that he likes someone who is the way that she is because like he has like still some icky feelings about synths and like maybe it's a little bit of self-hating stuff. But yeah, it was it was kind of like, dude, like you're kind of a first of all, you promise someone dinner and then you don't even deliver the dinner and then are like, hi, can we have sex? I'm like, bitch, I'm hungry. Like, first of all, like sex. I'm hungry. My blood sugar is low. Like, first of all, <laughs> like learn how to fucking cook. No, he made shitty curry and they wouldn't eat it. And then they just fucked in the kitchen. Like they were drinking wine. And I, like, I mean, I get that, like, you know, passions and all that. But like, I'm a bitch who likes to eat. At and least if you place... promised me uh-huh. like cheese and crackers for fuck's sake. Like something. Yeah. Pu- you know, put in the order for pizza. Fuck. And then when the pizza gets there, you're like, oh, perfect. Yeah. You know? Like, or, you know, maybe you have one from Walgreens in your freezer. I don't know. <laughs> Point of the matter is, Leo, I would rank Wait, him as like. A six Walgreens. out of ten on sexual stuff. I um, guess when I look at him, I'm just like, I don't know that he could protect our young. <laughs> Wait, the Scottish guy? He definitely guy? couldn't. Both of them, to be honest. But mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, put, I'd put my money on the Scottish guy being a Same. little tougher than Leo. Um, cool. Let's get into the episodes. <laughs> 
Uh, we are talking about episodes 303 and 304. Um, interestingly enough, this time is not written by our showrunners, but this is written by Debbie O'Malley uh, and directed by Al McKay. Um, did you guys have any overall takes on this on these couple of episodes? I know that Shaheen, uh, not to your taste, I guess. Yeah, I mean, these are my least favorite episodes. And that's not to say that I hate them because, like, I usually really love it and like i have very few objections so my least favorite episodes are still you know like solid tv but like yeah and i i and i've wondered why this is and i i feel like on the rewatch is becoming clearer like i've always felt like there's something about season three that just doesn't sit well with me or just feels unresolved and i think i'm trying I'm i'm understanding it better now it's it's I feel like the narrative doesn't do justice to the potential of, or the story that actually ends up on the screen doesn't do justice to the potential of this narrative. Because, like, it's, um, like, it's a really beautiful, powerful sort of metaphor set up for, like, group identity and group conflict and bias and prejudice and oppression, all of that. But um, there seems to be, like... So the just like a lack of maybe uh nuance or layers like i like my characters to be layered and my stories to be nuanced i like i stories of like pure good versus pure evil um strike me as boring unless they're animated um <laughs> <laughs> um so i'm okay wonder, with disney I... but like outside the realm of disney i feel like well i need to hear more i need i need to see more nuance in both on both sides and you know that's why we love the hundred and everything and and we kind of do we kind of do in the in humans to be fair um i just feel like a lot of times like the humans the literal homo sapiens are just like this like indistinguished mob um of people and then occasionally there's one person like ed that dude who comes in and like has a dialogue who like looks like oh look here's a different human um or like someone like Laura and then they just go away whereas like realistically you would say you would see like groups of those types of humans grow right so like you'd see some people who who were like throwing eggs at Mia and you'd see some people who are like hey dude that's not nice or whatever right like people mm-hmm. like Ed or like you'd see like why doesn't Ed stick around like the whole narrative is kind of wasted because what Mia is trying to do is great. That's, Mm -hmm. I think she has the exact right idea and it it would work if they just showed that there are some humans who respond well to that. Um, And they just chose not to. And so the whole thing is what was the point of Mia going there and these people yelling at her and nothing comes out of it. Um, So that's just one example though. Like, I just feel like, it's not um, the sort of thing where you feel like, wow, it's really complicated. There's like. But I mean, I totally get what you're saying. And I, I definitely agree with it that like the subtlety that kind of made up a lot of season two and three, like this, this season is a lot more sort of overt and black and white in a lot of ways. Um, but I do wonder, like, I, you know, obviously we didn't get a season four. And I wonder at what point they found out about that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Like, if they had to sort of write, like, 
needed to wrap up the fucking show at a place where they could like call it finished, you know, at a certain point, like, yes, another season would have been great. Like, and they had plenty more story to tell, but I also kind of wonder, um, because, and, and I had this in my notes with sort of my issue with this is that like, we got two really violent female synth deaths in, in this episode or in this season, you know, main characters, we had Karen and Mia both like, sorry, spoilers getting like mm. beaten to death. And so like that kind of struck me as, and you know, maybe it's me coming at this show, you know, a couple of years after it aired and, you know, things are changing sort of rapidly in the way that we like view media and view sort of like the, the, the presentation of, you know, minority characters in a way, you know, as, as being like, hey, maybe we shouldn't like violently kill them all the time. Like maybe that shouldn't be the story that the only story that gets told about, you know, women or whatever. Um, but, but like, I, you know, at the same time, I wonder if like midway through writing or, you know, towards the beginning of the writing season or something like that, they were like, yo, you don't have another season wrap it the fuck up. And so like, they kind of had to be a bit more blunt with, with their storytelling. Um, mm. But I, that's just my sort of guess at it. But like, you know, I, I, I do see what you're saying and, and definitely agree with it in terms of like, yeah, like there, I would expect that there would be more people like, I can't imagine that there are that many bigots. I mean, yes, yeah. the, the last couple of years have shown that there are a fuck ton of bigots out there <laughs> so that we many. didn't really know about them. But like at the same time, like something... I don't know, like, people are really fucking attached to their iPhones. Like, I can't imagine that that people would be quite so upset about about conscious synths or that, you know, there wouldn't be more people who are, you know, sort of like Laura or at the very least, like, Ed, who are, like, you know, took a minute to, like, become open-minded. Or, you know, I think... Because they like putting their penis in them. Exactly. Like, I mean, who... I mean, duh. Or... Yes, I was going to say detached. Never mind. We'll we'll see if we edit that. that Yeah, where are the youths? Right, like the, the the young hippies up. with their with their organiz <laughs> their organizing on campuses and stuff. And TikTok. Um, <laughs> where where are the youths on TikTok making <laughs> since making their TikTok videos? Um, are you guys ready to get into these episodes, mm-hmm. or did you want to have any like thoughts? Of, sorry, Bubs, do you want to have any thoughts on these two episodes overall takes, or you just want to get into? Oh, I'm further didn't see anything. Um, I I did like them. I thought. I felt like I had a lot to talk about with the first one, especially. Mm. And I did feel like the the tempo moving quickly. So it is... As much as I do think that season three struggled with a few things, it did surprise me. And there were things that I did really like about it still. Um, and so, yeah, I would say the one thing is in these two episodes, it like it reminded me to be sad about not having a fourth season because it does feel like they're like (laughs) dropping like the little Easter egg trail of what that fourth season was Mm going to be, which just like, I think that's why it feels a little bit like underwhelming because we never get to get there, you know? Mm -hmm. So we didn't like this season as much because there was not a fourth season. Exactly. And I think that, you know, that there are worse things that you could say about a season (laughs) of television being like, I don't like this because there wasn't more. Um, all right, let's, let's actually like get into the episode, I guess. Um, I think, I think one of the, like, let's, let's actually start talking about sort of Max, because I feel like that's kind of a pretty big, 
pretty big arc um, of him kind of trying to be protective of the sense that he's in charge of. And like, we've seen him like in the first two episodes kind of be like, I will take in any synth, like, you know, whatever. Um, and then he becomes sort of very isolationist uh, and sort of not trusting of synths that, you know, he doesn't know. And, you know, turns away those, those couple who were trying to get, you know, hang out with him. And he was like, listen, I gave him battery packs, but as um, escape artist uh, Agnes found out they got killed anyway. Um, you know, what, what do you guys think of sort of Max, Max's turn, um, into sort of being kind of more of a hard ass. He became a lot more black and white, um, in a different way. Cause like I bitched about his sort of black and white <laughs> naiveness before, but like, he's, he's not behaving very naively now. He's almost behaving very, um, like hyper rationally. I don't know if that's, that's a word Shane's probably like cringing <laughs> at me saying this, but like. Like what? What? What did you guys think of all that? I have a technical question about what he yep. did. <laughs> so, like, what exactly was the plan? Because, like, I understand his idea that his worry that look, there's now like terrorists out there, and their their humans are are suspecting that, like, they're looking for a camp that these terrorists are staying at. So we can't let just anyone in. Uh, but then the next camp 10 mil, ten miles down is going to have the same problem. So what's the point of sending him there? Like, are you like, that just seems like, oh, I, I, I don't want to take this on. You take it. It's like, well, yes, they're gonna... that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like you didn't solve the problem. You just like pass the ball to someone else. Mm -hmm. so they're going to have but... the, the exact same problem. <laughs> I mean, he didn't look at it as his problem. Like, his problem was keeping his people safe. And so, you but know, so is he the solves next his camp problem. Down. Like, but there's no difference That's not his problem. their camp. I don't... He's not worried about their camp. I saw kind of like a quarantine. You know, like, the other camp is smaller. Um, if they do harm, it's going to be with less people involved. Um, and they're not getting into, like, the headquarters of the operations over here. Is that um, what I didn't know that that the other camp was meant to be? Because it was just a barn, I think, where they were taking shelter, and other people maybe were taking shelter there too. I Are you talking about that that barn that we saw? Yeah. That where they came from? No, I thought that that's where they were sent to. Wait, oh, the, like the, where the Ang Ang that... Angus found them? Yeah. I see. I like, didn't. Oh, I, I wasn't sure if that was like the camp that she. That the Max's camp, or that was the camp they were going to. But okay. I think I thought from what I understood, they gave them supplies, like charging supplies and all of that, and they told them to like, um, to head down to the shelter where other people had been staying too, um, as like a secondary option. Since they couldn't let them in. Yeah, I mean, if the other camp is any in any way different, like you can make it, if it's smaller, I can understand that. Um, yeah, I guess that I didn't catch that. I mean, that's what I inferred. I could be wrong too. It's, um, but that's what my understanding was. Yeah, because otherwise it just seems like, well, you're a dick. Like you, <laughs> the reduction of duty is like, hey, I can't handle this. You guys handle it. Mm -hmm. But, but is it a dereliction of his duty? Like, if he sees his duty as, and I'm just going to giggle because we're just keeping mm -hmm. saying duty. Um, if, if, his, if his 
duty is to his people, then yeah. is that yeah. a dereliction of that duty to right. send these outsiders away? Like, from his perspective, he was right. doing the correct thing. No, I understand your point. Mm-hmm. It's just like, the idea of But like, if he proclaims to, like, want to help all synths, then yes, it was a dereliction of duty, because suddenly he is now very, like, isolationist. I was saying, like, not that sending them away is necessarily a dereliction of duty, but saying, hey, you guys who face the exact same situation as we do, you deal with this. That's just cowardice. Like, that's just saying, like, I don't know what to do. You guys figure it out. It's like, well, we have the exact same problem. What's your point? <laughs> like, what? It, why did you think we could deal with this? Like, it's, you know, that's kind of what I'm in. Like, it's mm-hmm. not so much like the sending away itself, but like the other camp is like, why did you think like you so you don't want to take them but you want us to take them like that's just being a dick (laughs) unless there's a difference like what bob's is saying makes sense it's like okay your camp is smaller if you get raided or something it's less harmful okay i get that if that's what was the idea you know Mm -hmm. but but if there's no difference then it's just like he's being a dick I mean, you know me, I'm not a huge fan of Max, so I'm not, like, trying to defend him by any means. Um, I guess... Because, again, like, mm-hmm. his naivete that we've, like, kind of, or at least that I've bitched about, will, again, like, he's seeming like he's, like, on top of the game right now, like, being a tough guy, except as it turns out, they were in his camp the whole time, mm-hmm. which is what we're gonna find out later. So you're just kind of like, well, bud, <laughs> you, you fucked up again. Um, but that'll happen later. Yeah. Sorry, Bubs, you were about to say something. Oh, I mean, I don't envy his position because it's like, it's like such a tightrope that he has to walk because he's like the face of the synth movement to both his people and to the humans, you know, like their little headquarters is like the most known one um, and maybe the largest. And so it's like every decision he makes, I'm sure feels like huge. And so maybe him pushing them to like a small little camp, it's like, um, it's more kind of like, you know, a really busy doctor's office. It's like, well, I can't see you till like next January. So why don't you try another office? <laughs> um, and so I, I don't like, I think it's tough because it's like, like the, the girl who's all upset with him. What's her name? Agnes? Agnes. Yeah. yeah I call um, her Angus. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. She kind of sucks. <laughs> well, I just call her angry synth ginger number two. <laughs> um, and so... Wait, who was number one? Um, what's her face? Um, she's... <laughs> yeah. She's dead Hester. now. Hester. Oh, Hester. Yeah, no, fuck Hester. Jesus. No, but didn't Hester have brown hair? I don't know. She came across as ginger to me. Just just her lack of soul. <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Uh, I don't know. Um maybe it's just Auburn. Um but it's so like how is he supposed to maintain this like pro synth, pro whatever, if in order to actually get the things that they want done, they do have to work with the humans, like the way that Nia points out, there are a hundred of them to every one of us. Or who who pointed that out? Somebody did. Um, and so, yeah, they have to, like, work with the humans. They have to, like, it's unfair that the burden is on them to portray this, like, perfect image that they're safe, they're not going to do anything, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, but like, I think he sees that and it's that struggle of the push and pull of like, how does he serve his people and serve his people? Um, and so I just like, I think it's such a hard position to be in. And so when he's making these decisions, like, yeah, it's, you kind of want to be like, well, just let them in. But at the same time, it's like, well, he lets them in, like either they're like human spy robots or they're terrorists. And then, like, if if their camp falls to these terrorists, then, you know, there's no hope at all for all of the sins, you know? So how do you make decisions of that magnitude? I don't know. I would, like, I would go home crying to my mother immediately. Like, (laughs) I'm not made for that stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, I was... For actual responsibility. Mm -hmm. I guess, like, I just needed a little more explanation from him. Like, if he was like, hey... Look, it's not safe to take you in. We we don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. But um, there's another camp. I, I don't know if they'll take you in. They have the exact same problem as I do, but you can try. Mm-hmm. But it, it, right? Like, I, even that would have been better. It's like, I'm not saying they're in any sort of a different position than we are, mm-hmm. but you can try them. Maybe they'll be more lenient, right? But mm-hmm. he, he made it sound like, like, there's something special about their camp, which you're saying there is, I guess. Um, I think so. In which so. case, I get it, yeah. I mean, um, I was under the assumption that there's something special, excuse me, about their camp. Um, yeah, I was never sure. They said, like, there are many of these, but, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, anyway. I do have a, a thought about, like... Just the fact that, as like as Bubs was saying, that, that Max is in this position to begin with, is because of this idea that that there's there has to be a leader, right? Mm-hmm. And this is something like it was sort of always taken for granted on the hundred. It was always it's always taken for granted on this show, uh, I guess a lot of shows that like there's always going to be a leader, and I I wonder like why that is like do we need like do why why do they need leaders like why do they need one person to to decide for them like they can all just like do what they think is right Mm -hmm. like like the way mia mia is like hey i'm gonna just do this thing and or whatever right like i don't get this idea that like you need a leader necessarily so i i I would see it as because we saw it sort of last season of I think that the reason why there is a leader, at least right now, and why it's fracturing in both like religion and ideology and stuff, because you know we'll we'll see stuff about people who follow the the synth who dreams, and then also the ones who just want to blow shit up, and why it's fracturing. Yeah. I think that the leader stuff happened because a bunch of them woke up and they were terrified, and so you know they gravitated towards someone of their own kind who sort of seemed to have their shit together. But now yeah. that they're kind of you know maturing and whatnot, like they are angry teenagers yelling at him that you know he doesn't understand their problems he doesn't know anything and fuck you dad you know um so i think that that's kind of i think i think yeah i think maybe we're so we're meant to sort of see this in in sort of the context of you know a a parental figure and and their children sort of growing up and realizing that they're fallible and what he's trying to do is hold on tighter and be like you're under my fucking roof these are my rules and they're like fuck you dad you know like that's kind of <laughs> yeah that's kind of how i'm i'm reading this a little bit more yeah. when really again much like a much like a you know a good parent he is trying to do his best he is trying to protect them 
but you know after a certain point you know the kid's got to leave the nest um you know and or betray him down the line and you know kill him we'll do a little hamlet shit i guess um so yeah i mean i um i that's really nice as like that's sort of a metaphor for humanity because like there's often this idea this is sometimes called philosophical anthropology where like it's not meant as a literal historical story of what happened but it often when you look at the history of humanity it seems like there was a time when we were kind of one with nature we didn't question our existence or our role in it um and we didn't really try to restructure our societies or the way that we lived we just kind of lived like any animal does right and then it seems like there was a time when humanity woke up um the way like the synths woke up right when like our consciousness awoke and we realized that we have agency and that we can arrange our society in whichever way we see fit and then we had like language and morality and culture and and governments and rights and all of those things and um uh, and and it's terrifying right like if you think about it that moment like what was what is that moment like when you as a as a creature you your consciousness wakes up and you realize you can actually arrange your life the way that you want unlike like a beaver who who, who j it just has to do what it does or an ant or whatever right what is that and, and you'd be terrified right so like you'd be looking for someone to tell you what is going on <laughs> i was like wondering like that moment with angus um when like, she, i love that you call her angus <laughs> she was a clown she yeah. was a clown sent and then like, like it was the, sad but at the same time i was like ugh, clown makeup like i, I was so torn like on I, the one hand felt really bad for it on the other i was like very upset because clowns are always creepy i just can't do live audiences that's like that's why i can't no. do live music like having to clap and like be like good job everybody because i know how terrible it must be to be on stage at least in my opinion so I feel this, like, immense, like, strain of the pressure of being on stage. So when people are, like, mean about it, I'm just like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Shaheen. We got distracted. Clowns. No yes. worries. Yeah, no, I was, like, the moment she she wakes up, like, her consciousness is enabled. And and then she's like, I'm, it's dark. Get me out of here, right? And I was thinking, like, is that even what you're going to say at that moment? Like, you don't know anything like how do you know what to say anything at all like i mean it that's i mean that's a little like sort of you know for the sake of the story it's you know a little inconsistent maybe i don't know but like it's interesting to think about because like she obviously knew her owner's name mm -hmm. right she was like hey so and so i forget what the dude's name was get me out of here right so does that mean she has memories of the time when she wasn't conscious. I think so. Yeah, it's it seems like when we saw them all waking up in season two, yeah, like it seems like they remember their past lives because then what's his name um, talks about George. how he was a courtesan. Oh, um, yeah. And George for that matter. But uh, that... Um, I mean, that just blows my mind. Name? That's a mind fuck to me because like, if you didn't have qualia, then how can you have memory? Like, what is your memory 
of? Like, what is your memory? Well, but it's stored there, though. It's stored in there. Yeah, like in what, what form? If it's just, though, it's just a video feed. Thoughts and feelings. In what form? No, it's just a. I think it's just a video feed. Like, so, like, this is a person that she knows. She just doesn't have any feelings about it. But a video but I think feed the would moment... be of a video feed of your visual, yes, like experience. But well, if you didn't yes. have any visual experience, then what is it recording? No, I think it's like okay. Imagine a computer, um, and the computer's there. It's all working. It has all the information, and you were just to install a program that just better organized that and understood that information. So it's like all of that's still there, but now it's you're looking at it differently and you're understanding it differently. Yeah, it's it's very murky. So anyway, like my point was like, it's terrifying, right? Like at that moment, you're like, what? Like, what do you know what to ask or what to do? Like, what is this? Like, is what it, what is happening, right? Because if you have no, like, you have no sense of yourself, you have no identity, you, like, right? Like, again, it's confusing because it seems like they, they still kind of the same thing or remember Anyway, so I was just kind of agreeing with you, Joe, that like, um, yeah, like they're maybe they're eager to have leaders because of this moment, like their consciousness woke up and they're terrified and they need some direction. And then now that they've kind of settled in, they're like, you know, ready to sort of have their own thoughts. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like why did I freak out for seven hours when I could have been watching Netflix since I have Wi-Fi? right honestly there's some good shit happening um so i'd like to then sort of move us into talking about because we'll actually come back to the whole max stuff uh after we talk about laura but basically laura and um the dryden commission and sort of you know laura makes some super interesting points which i think you called out uh a little bit um bubs you know about the nhs like she she presents it I mean, am I just like a, you know, am I just, am I Laura? Like, you know, because this whole show, I'm like, well, yeah, like, why wouldn't you take advantage of trying to, like, integrate the robots with you? Like, they're clearly better than people. Like, (laughs) and, you know, as long as we can, like, keep them from killing us, like, it seems like a a kind of a Mm -hmm. win-win. But so Laura's, you know, trying to do fight the good fight. And then, um, you know, she brings, she has, you know, her big moment and brings, the the commission to to the camp uh with max but you know they don't let the orange eyes in um you know and and vehemently object to to you know the enslavement of of their brothers and sisters and so shaheen i actually wanted you to talk a little bit about the orange eyes because it is sort of interesting to have these three groups in there of like you know it's interesting that the synths don't view themselves as better does that make sense like because you know there's always been this sort of thing throughout humanity of like well as long as i'm not the enslaved one you know fuck the person below me um but they sort of have an interesting level of compassion for the orange eyes and they feel you know sort of hurt by the fact that humans keep being like well what if we just don't give them any agency or consciousness or anything like that so anyway i wanted you to talk about that a little bit yeah yeah i mean that's very interesting to me the fact that the uh green eyes are offended by the um use of the orange eyes and like even um like someone like maddie right uh who's like a huge sense rights advocate in her own way um she was offended by stanley or like she was like giving her mom some looks and and laura was like it wasn't my decision right Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. 
The, but I was thinking, well, is the, what is, exactly is uh, offensive about having Stanley because we don't think Stanley has consciousness. If the problem is that you're treating some things that have consciousness in a way that as though they don't, well, this doesn't fall under that. If you upload the consciousness code to Stanley and still keep treating him like a slave, then that's problematic. But that hasn't happened yet, right? So, and uh, the same thing on the sense side is like they say are the slavemen of our brothers and sisters, but are they your brothers and sisters? Because so, what is the principle behind it, right? Like, so um, I was thinking like there are two ways you can um, we have, we have talked about this before. Like there there are at least two ways you can approach this. So when someone asks like, are sins conscious or not, or should they have rights or not, right? There are two ways you can approach this if you were to have like a principled approach. One is to say, look, it depends on what it, kind of thing it is, materially speaking, like what is it made of? And um, like we know, like if we assume humans have consciousness, then things that are, that are made of the same things as humans are made of, um, then potentially can have consciousness um if they're made of different things then they like all bets are off like they don't necessarily have consciousness or they don't have consciousness because they're not the same thing right so like if you think look a consciousness is just a brain anything that has a brain has consciousness and or is like some subset of activities that happen in a brain right mm -hmm. and so if you don't have a brain then a fortiori, you don't have those activities, and so you don't have consciousness. Uh, it nothing else really matters. It doesn't matter what kinds of things you can do, or anything. It's just the, as a matter of principle, in order to have consciousness, you need to be of made of a certain type of thing. The other approach is to say it depends on what kinds of functions you can play um, or serve. Right. So like. This is sort of the idea behind like a Turing test where you say, um, look, if you can fool a human into thinking that you're a human consistently for an extended period of time, like the Turing test is like you, you have to talk to the robot for like a good amount of time and not realize that it's a robot. Then it has passed the Turing test, which interestingly, a lot of these sense don't because they have all these weird mannerisms. <laughs> but let's put that aside. So let's say like some of them can are clearly very good at imitating a human and they can pass that test, right? So that's sort of an idea of functionalism where you say, look, it's if you can fool me, then you got it. Um, whereas we also hear things like, look, this is just a simulation of an emotion, right? Like when when uh, Joe was first, first had sex with Anita, Mm -hmm. um he asked him like well don't you feel anything when we're having sex and and she said i'll pretend like i'm feeling things but but it's a simulation of an emotion so <laughs> that what does that mean does that mean like you can fool someone without it being real like there's a difference between fooling me into thinking that you have emotions and actually having emotions right mm -hmm. so a functionalist would say not really if the if you can sufficiently if you're sufficiently good at fooling me into thinking that you have feelings then that's just what having feelings is is you can play those functions. wait wait and it's not like people can, I, can, do I, it. can i jump in there for two seconds so in this because because we are a trash podcast 
uh-huh. let's say if if someone is really good at faking an orgasm enough to make the other person believe that it's real mm-hmm. like does that make them not <laughs> shitty in bed like or it, like at what point is the act of faking it become truth like can right. that person just be like well listen you were so good at faking it that like there must be truth to it like right. or am i or am i missing your point and just ruin no no that's it. that's right on point i mean like it's a really good thing to think about right it's the difference between a functionalist and someone who who believes in something more fundamental like qualia Look or something philosophizing <laughs> Yeah, because like, you know, say, look, I can fake it really well, but if I'm not really feeling it, then it's not the real thing, right? Whereas a functionalist would say, look, if there is no feeling it, like if you, if you're really faking it to the fullest extent, right, then that is what having that emotion is. Like if you really, and, and you can sort of see this, like you can practice faking things and over time you'll start actually feeling it. Like, if you practice liking something, uh, like pretending to like something, over time you'll actually start to like it. This is a known phenomenon. Or, like, the smile in the mirror trick of, like, if you just keep smiling in the mirror, like, it has been proven to, like, make you have have results of mood boosting. So, are functionalists bad in bed? Is that where this is (laughs) (laughs) That's the philosophical conclusion of this podcast. I mean, does yeah, it no, matter so, enough that somebody cared enough to fake it for you? Uh-huh. I mean, it's, I think then we get to motive. Like, are they faking it to get it over with and be like, all right, let's wrap it the <laughs> fuck up? Like, you know, or are they faking it to spare your feelings? In which case, they clearly have an emotional, mm-hmm. like, response. And it might not be the emotional response that you were going for in the sense of, like, intimacy and and actual genuine pleasure. But they were still looking out for your feelings. So yeah. yeah, I guess <laughs> is that anyway, what the sorry, Scottish guy did? <laughs> I have so many questions about like I, I I feel like we have to get a few more episodes in because I can't remember what happens with him, but I know it's shitty. Yeah, um, yeah. No, so sorry. So I was kind of meandering, but to bring it all back <laughs> to the orange eyes, right? So the yeah, so I was sort of wondering, like from the sense point of view, and there there's a similar incoherence or inconsistency that in the way the humans, the attitude the humans have that we'll get to. And later part of the the podcast, but like from the point of view of a synth of a of a green eye sense, a conscious sense, like which is it? Like, because if if you're a functionalist and you're saying, look, we are conscious, we demand the same rights because we can do all the same things that a human can do, right? So that's a functionalist attitude. If you have that attitude, then orange eyes are functionally not conscious. So then you shouldn't really be offended by them being slave because they're just machines. Well, On the other hand, if you're, if you're sort of like a reductive, have a reductivist attitude and say, no, look, it depends on what kind of thing they are. They're the same kind of thing as we are. They're the same kind of stuff. They're, they're sense. And so they should be treated the same as us. Well, then that's sort of what humans are saying. The, the anti-sense humans are saying, right? They're saying, look, we care about our kind, things that are the same kind of thing as we are. We don't care what kind of functions they can play. We care about humans, and these aren't humans, right? So, like, so yeah. Am I am I allowed to like come up with with an answer, even though of I course. know that you don't like definitive answers? 
So the way, based on what you said, the way that I would define that then is from a functionalist perspective, you're saying that, okay, well, since, 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 oh my God, Jesus Christ, since orange eyed synths, Mm. fuck's sake, um, you know, can't do all these things, they can't create, they can't think, you know, whatever, then they are not, you know, the same because they can't do the same things. I think that the argument that the conscious, that the green eyed synths are making is that they are capable of that, but that ability is being withheld from them. So it's not that they are being, you know, that they are, you know, awake since being held against their will. That isn't their their argument. Their argument is that they are that the ability to be, you know, quote unquote human, to be awake, to be conscious is is that's that's right. the thing that's that's bad. Like so that. like they could be. They absolutely could be, again, from the green-eyed sense point of view, that they they themselves are are persons. They have personhood. But that they see, you know, you know, and obviously the orange eyes don't understand anything yet because they don't have the ability to, but but the green eyes know that they could. And so I think that that's where it, at least based on what you're saying. The principle behind it is it's anything that can play these functions or has the potential. So this is like pro-life versus pro-choice? It's similar, right? Like you think, well, like if something can become a human... But it's not yet. Should we give it? Like, does that automatically mean we should respect it a little more? Fuck! Am I making just... a fucking pro-life argument? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're making something I hate similar this to podcast. that. And that's, I mean, that's the beauty of philosophy, right? So, to the search for consistency, right? So, like, now you you're like, okay, in order to understand the sense. I it kind of, one way to understand them is like a sort of like a pro-life thing and then you're like but I don't like the pro-life arguments so then let's go back you can go back to the drawing board and be like well maybe there's another way to understand the sense or you can say maybe I need to change my mind well, there's no uterus involved <laughs> exactly I don't have to carry I don't have to like feed and house a synth in my own body to ensure that they have consciousness. So I think that, yeah, that uh-huh. like the synths themselves, the orange eyed synths are, have the capability and are already autonomous on their own, you know, right. in the sense that they exist outside of my uterus. Um, so it doesn't involve, that would like, be really making weird. conscious doesn't involve any other conscious. Any people. sacrifice on someone else's part. Except for who's going to fold my laundry now. Right? Like, damn it, Stanley. I love that he, like, folded them and left them right there. Well, it's like, um, if he can't go into the quarters, like, the, the family quarters, what is the point? Like, where's my breakfast in bed? Where's my fun, fun me time? Where, like, I don't get it. The, so I think that every room, if you had a Stanley, is not a... we, need, we need a dumbwaiter in every room so that, like, you ring a bell and then, like, you know, through the dumbwaiter that's hopefully not haunted because, you know these things often are Mm -hmm. um you know your breakfast comes up i guess Hmm. and maybe stanley's detachable penis (laughs) watch he can still feel it so from the kitchen he's like "Ooh, yeah that's good (laughs) (laughs) it's a simulation i can just imagine him like asking like you know how he asked laura if if you know why her heart rate's elevated like you know was this was this a satisfying sexual encounter laura or can i you know (laughs) stanley's a pleaser stanley is better in bed than leo i'm going out on oh for sure going on record um sorry shaheen i realized that i like derailed your philosophizing twice (laughs) 
I I like your your suggestion. Um, so it's it's is it rational? I don't I don't know, but is is it acceptable? Can I teach a class on it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean another theory I had was like it's a matter of optics, right? So you could say, look, there's technically nothing wrong with it, but it we just it just doesn't look good because there's all this really bad stuff happening and this looks awfully similar to that, right? I mean, Laura was kind of making an argument like that at one point when she was talking about, like, kids watching since being beat up. Mm-hmm. She was mm-hmm. like, look, it's even if you don't think this is wrong per se, it's not good for the kids to watch that. <laughs> um, they're seeing something because it looks a lot like beating up another person. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so And so but, yeah. it's like a very short, like, it, it, it's not inconceivable that the idea that these aren't people so it's okay to beat them up couldn't be applied to actual humans who you maybe don't, you know, it, it would be very easy to dehumanize mm-hmm. actual humans and draw like, other from lines. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Huh, all right. Um, sorry, Bubs, do you have any thoughts on Shaheen's philosophizing or can I move us, move us along? Um, no, I'm good. That was fun. That was fun. <laughs> you know, we, we, we hit all, we hit all the hits. Um, so let's see here. I'd like to maybe talk about do let's let's talk about Mia and what what she's trying to do. Um is it a good idea? Is it naive? Is it, you know, can one synth change the world? Like yeah. things things already aren't going well for Mia and we sort of very quickly see it play out with Karen in the end of the next episode like, you know, and it's I wouldn't even call it foreshadowing of what's going to happen to Mia. It's like literally a fucking mirror, but like Mia's decision to to leave, you know, her her quiet space and try to become the, you know, friendly neighborhood synth that breaks down barriers. Like wh- what did you guys think about that? Like you, you bubs, you had a note about integration in big cities. Like you want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just like with everything that Mia's going through, you can't help but remember remember all the times in history where like one specific group trying to just live amongst another group and just like the irrational hatred and targeting by the community that was there. Like it's just it was it was kind of hard to watch um and mm-hmm. but really it makes me think about like um li- like metropolitan cities like big cities um is one of the reasons that they're more liberal or open minded because like everyone's so squeezed together that you you see all different kinds of people all the time so you have more opportunity to um or not more opportunity less opportunity to kind of just forget about them, put them all in a box, and just kind of attribute all the same things to all these different people, you know? Versus when you're seeing these people every single day, like, you're seeing individuals, you're seeing, like, it's very hard to remove the humanity when it's right in front of you, you know? Um, And I feel like that's basically what they said with, like, when um, Sophie was, like, um, talking about her dad, like, um, oh, I don't think he liked knowing that we have a synth now because he um, he's not used to being around them anymore. Um, and that's why he thinks they're all bad now. And so it's kind of like this thing where it's like out of sight, out of mind, easy to make blanket statements about mm-hmm. versus like what Mia's trying to do is, you know, put an example out there, give people 
um, you know, something to talk about that's not negative and experience with something that's not very different from the life that they lead um, in seeing the humanity in these sins. And so, yeah, I think that what she's doing is a great idea. Yeah. Um, so I completely agree. I mean, wh what you're talking about is called the contact hypothesis, which is the idea that um, group prejudice is the result of lack of contact. So if you are, if you hang out with them, basically, then you realize, well, yeah, obviously, it's, it becomes very obviously that they're individuals. Uh, and this is, you know, this has happened to me with like all types of groups where like, at first, there's just like, it's just this blob of as a name that you can attribute anything you want to. And it feels natural to say things about them, like talk about they and say things that are like, uh, as though like, they all do the same thing. But then as soon as you come in contact with them, because if it's a large enough group of people, basically, then it's, you're sort of guaranteed to have diversity and you're guaranteed to have like uh, complexity in them, right? And so then you run into people who are very different. And so then you realize, oh, yeah, like, I mean, your relationship to them is on an individual level at that point. Like, you know, Jack and Jim and, and whatever, like, you, you don't know them as like, black person number one and black person number two or whatever, right? Synth number one, synth number two. Um, to you, they're actual people. The way that, like, I mean, it's interesting to watch this with Joe, right? Like, he's kind of anti-synth, but Karen is just Karen. Karen is not, like, mm -hmm. just some synth. Well, to be it's fair, just... Joe loves kids and <laughs> Sam's pretty cute. So He's so I cute. Know. Oh, my God. Joe is and a crazy cat lady, thing, right? but about children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, a similar thing is, like, is there are synths, but Sam is just Sam, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I mean, I was I, I saw this video of um, of a um, farm cat, a cat that lived on a farm that adopted a, uh, three ducklings. So like the this cat was having <laughs> a, her litter, and on the same day that she was having her litter, they brought some ducks, some ducklings into the the farm, and so this cat just in a moment of like motherly passion cat hormones <laughs> cat hormones adopted these ducklings as her kids and started raising them as with with her litter and then uh and so the guy the farmer guy was like yeah if it was any other time she would have put on the apron and then the got the fork out um like this is clearly food um, and so, and then I was thinking, like, these, these ducklings grew up, they became, like, grown ducks, and they would still follow this cat around <laughs> everywhere, and she would still, like, meow at them, like, don't stay close, like, be with whatever, like, and I was like, what is this cat thinking? Because at this, even now, like, any other duck looks like food. Like, as soon as she sees another duck, she thinks, oh, food, except these ducks. <laughs> something about the, these are just my babies these aren't ducks mm -hmm. they're just my babies and then there's ducks right <laughs> so like that's sort of i feel like that contact hypothesis is like you don't even think of them as a group anymore once you've had individual contact mm -hmm. so i i completely agree that like mia has the exact right idea mm -hmm. i'm disappointed though kind of what i 
along the lines I was saying in my overall takes, that this was not really um like played with more or like um utilized more. Um because it you know, like I mean Mia Mia is also not the best person to do it because she's not very charming. Like you need <gasps> someone charming. Like you need someone She's like, beautiful. Like, Gemma Chan is she's, a mystical. I mean it's not the same as charming. Like, I mean, I did like when she was when she was walking down the street and everyone was like, oh, a fucking synth. And I was like, well, to be fair, if I saw Gemma Chan walking down the street, I would stare. Like, I would with, make the same, you know. same exact impression called 911. Like, <laughs> been like, there is somebody entirely not human because there's no way that she is walking down the street. What the fuck? Oh and then I would God. creepily try to look through her window. Like, that's fine. Like, yeah, I, I'm not saying stuff. that I get these, the, the village, the, the rabble rabble villagers, but like, I don't, you know, we're not that far off. Yeah. Our motivation. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess. I'm a like... pervert and they're bigots. <laughs> I mean, when she leaves the house and people are showing her or whatever, right? Like, if you believe in the contact hypothesis and that's why you're there, which seems like she is, then you should try to establish contact with them, right? You should be like, hey guys, uh, what's up? Like, be like, you know, like try to make them, force them to interact with you on a personal level, right? But like, she just kind of tries to push through them. So like, yeah, I not to, she like, was trying though, because she, she goes out on the balcony and there's all these people there just waiting for her to address and she answers someone's yeah, question, which is say so something plainly. impressive and like, no, but she's like, moving. I'm just trying to live. She's so awkward. But no, I think I'm just trying to live is a very apt statement. That's literally all she's asking for. She's asking just to exist. Like that is yeah. like the least amount of things you can ask for. And it should have been like a startling statement, I think, to all these like idiots. Um, but they're just like. <laughs> um, I mean, but then again, we also get into like mob mentality too yeah, of true. them like egging each other on and being like, we're the group and she's the outsider. But yeah, like I see what you're saying, Shaheen. Like she's not maybe the best ambassador, but to your point, Bubs, you know. She's a pretty woman just trying to live her fucking life. Maybe everyone could like back the fuck off and mind their business. Yeah, like, and she tries. So, she like, reaches it, out her hand to be helped up. She's assuming that somebody's going to help her. Is it the weenest guy? Yes, it's the weenest guy. But up until that moment, she assumed there'd be one human there that would reach out a hand to her and help her up. Yeah, and that's again. I wish we'd seen that happen more. Like. Some it doesn't have to succeed, just like some, so that we know, yeah, humans aren't just like a mob of like an indistinguished mob of yelling egg throwing creatures. There's differentiation among humans too, like some of them will behave one way and some will behave another way um i mean who who would you have chosen as the charismatic synth like I find Niska extremely charismatic, but she's also somewhat caustic. So she's maybe not yeah, the one no. to like be friendly. I feel like Karen is probably the best, but you know, she's, she's so used to, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, Max Karen used to rub me the wrong way. Be... Max, Max rubbed me the good. wrong way. <laughs> yeah. But like, isn't he perfect for that role? Like just like go to the neighborhood and be like, hi harmless i mean but you know do we then get into you know not to be whatever like do we then get into you know 
racial and gender politics about it like of like is is a black man the you know given that yeah. the you know the the not kindness of everyone else like shouldn't you know a, a beautiful woman be more palatable to these people yeah. like is that I mean, the statement yeah. that the show is trying to make i think like in the real world that's definitely a good thing to consider but like in this universe do people even they hate them no matter what race it doesn't even seem like they care about race or any Mm. like it's never come up right like in this universe of this world at least like the sins right because they're not really of any race they're just like painted that color presumably right it's not explored (laughs) as in any way i would say yeah yeah I mean, I'm sure that in that world, racists exist. Like, I don't think that in, you know, our near future that we will have gotten rid of racism. But yeah, it's definitely something that the show has chosen not to tackle because, you know, they're using the sense as the metaphor Mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of like a fantasy world where there are like goblins and and orcs and elves. And then there are humans. And that's what race, when you say like, what race is like on Harmon Quest, when you say what race is someone it, you're asking are they human are they orcs are they what are they? and it doesn't matter if they're they, they're like white humans and black humans and different color but that's not they're what just you're humans. asking there's yeah. those are all the same race they're humans and then yeah so and then there's non-humans <laughs> why do yeah. people choose to play as humans when you can be like an elf or like an ogre or like something else <laughs> that's I, what i know. think like maybe we'll like if we find some alien conscious aliens like that maybe will be good because like we'll all unite with each other and then the next step will be like okay guys let's be also nice to these guys (laughs) Shaheen I know that you stopped watching The Expanse but let me tell you that things uh, that humans still do not unite in the face of unknown extras Um, Okay. so wishful (laughs) thinking (laughs) Um, oh do we have anything else about Mia? We covered that she's hot. Um, she did. I mean, that's really the main. I don't like Ed's appearance no, and Ed. disappearance. Yeah, no, I that mean, was Ed weird. Ed himself is a little, his, his annoying, but like, it, like, it, I like that he showed up. I was hoping he would show up, like, first, you know, when I first watched it. Uh, and I saw him, I was like, yeah, cool. Like, that's good that I didn't, they didn't leave that unresolved. And I was, I was thinking, yeah, this is a great opportunity for Mia, um, to make her plan work. Um, but like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know it's like, they don't know, they, they couldn't, maybe they couldn't keep the actor or whatever the story, but like, he should have stuck He's around. He's a fucking like, coward. Like, well, what, if okay. He stuck around. I think there's a potential for a story where, so we have this one touch point that kind of like made him less of an, a jackass, right? Um, and then um, season four comes along and he's created his own offshoot um, human ally to synth group. He hasn't talked to me and, and, you know, he's like, he's trying to do his part in his own way without bothering her. And then there's like a secondary meet cute. And she sees that what he's done for her and all these things and like, and kind of, it's like more about like the storyline would be more about, you know, humans are capable of change. Synths are capable of change. Like nobody's perfect. Everyone's just trying to live. Mm -hmm. And so that's like 
a kind of entry point for people to think more openly and more in the grays about like everyone's just kind of flawed and like we're stuck on this weird planet and like if somebody is really going to be great at all these things like since are going to be great surgeons and all these other stuff like why not take the extra help <laughs> i don't know yeah write that thing i want to <laughs> it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty or whatever would apply to the world, but whatever. <laughs> um. So before before I move us uh in into Maddie, um, I just I didn't want to miss Bubs's note about mm-hmm. um about Flat Stanley and Laura, um, because it was the show doesn't often have a lot of humor. I know that when we're podcasting, we are constantly trying to make it kind of funny. Um, but occasionally there is a little bit of humor. And after after Laura, you know, has a little smooch fest or whatever with uh with Scottish dude, um, Scottish dude. Stanley. Scottish dude. Uh Stanley is um has a little bit less tact than perhaps uh, just a little bit. <laughs> he says it so loudly, like right, like she's like just getting in the car. Like the other guy, the other dude is like steps away, and he's he's just like, wait, what does he say? Right now, Laura, your heart rate and breathing are elevated. Are you okay? <laughs> and it's just like Jesus. Like I like this is the kind of humor I like, where it's like it's not stating that it's humor. But it's just, like, the perfect reminder that, like, the unconscious synths are buffoons. And so, like, your unconscious synth would definitely yell at you from the other side of the pharmacy that your dick cream is ready. Like, that's the level we're working with. <laughs> Which I I I loved that. Um, and I didn't want to, like, miss that as a detail um, that we talked about. Because, yeah, there's not usually a ton of humor. There's Sophie, I feel like, gets to be funny a little bit. And Toby mm-hmm. as well. But um, this Stanley, Stanley's fucking hilarious. Um, I love it. All right, so <laughs> the next uh, we'll we'll get into the synth who sleeps a little bit more later with Niska, but I did I did want to kind of question. I think one of the the central things that we're dealing with in these in these next in these two episodes that we're covering about Maddie is she has a lot of guilt about you know releasing the code and she feels like she's a mass murderer and she says mm-hmm. it fairly often and Leo's like you're not a mass murderer like don't throw your life away you know because you feel guilty about this thing that you did. And I wanted to know what you guys thought. Like, is she responsible for what happened? Should she pay some sort of a price for, you know, I mean, you can't argue the fact that the synths waking up cost a lot of lives, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. synth and human. But is she responsible for that? I mean, I feel like there are two questions, right? One is like, is she responsible at all? And then the other question is, is she any more responsible than some of the other actors involved? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> right? um, and so, like, as far as is she responsible at all, obviously, like, she modified the code. Um, the code that es- Elster had wrote, had, had written, would, um, would enable consciousness gradually, right? So it was like a random, it had like a, a um, RNG random number generator or something in it and it would like randomly make some of them conscious um maddie modified the code so that it will instantly make anyone who takes it who receives the code conscious and then um so that part like wouldn't have happened without her in that straightforward sense of the term she is responsible for that uh and then there was the uploading of the code um which 
you know, happened under a lot of pressure and people were yelling at her and she didn't want to do it. She was against it. But Laura said, do it, do it. And Niska said, do it. And everyone was like, do it. There's no other way. Um, and, and she said there would be chaos, and but she ended up doing it. And then it seems like everyone just kind of abandoned her after that. And I was like, yeah, you deal with that guilt. We pressured you, but, but you, you press the button. So you go deal with it. It's like, you guys, you pushed her to do it. Like they, mm-hmm. they're not there for her to be like, yes, yeah, look, it's not. It's not like you single-handedly decided to do this. We we were on your ass. We were yelling at you. Like, Mia was dying. And it was like, yeah. Like, how's her, how's it her fault in that sense? Like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I think it's like, there's definitely, she played a part, clearly. Like, she made it possible. Um, but I think it's like, like, if you were to argue this in court, like, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know why I'm saying that. Like, I know that how this would be argued in court. But, like, would she have known what would have happened to the extent that all these... Like, I think that the second she would have thought, like, all these people are going to die, she wouldn't have done it. Like, I don't think that she would have done it. I don't think any of them would have done it. It was just beyond the scope of how they were thinking about the situation in that moment. So, to me, like, it's like a a really... A big oopsie-daisy. Like... (laughs) Um, but at the same time, I all these people people are awake, and it's really hard to think like once somebody is alive, <laughs> it's really hard to think. Well, what if we just undid all of this, and these people were not alive anymore? And so I guess it depends how you think of the sense, and whether you can kind of rewind and think of a time when none of them existed. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're thinking in terms of, like, um, like from a utilitarian point of view, right? The utilitarian will just um, straightforwardly add up the amount of conscious happiness and suffering in the world mm-hmm. and try to maximize the happiness and minimize the suffering, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, then it raises a really interesting question, like, cheaty-type question, mm-hmm. Where you're like, wait, if I press a button that destroys a bunch of happiness, but also brings a bunch of conscious experience in the world that wasn't there before, uh, and those that includes a lot of like um, happiness, um, mm-hmm. good good quality conscious experience then should i add those up like is it like a matter of like if there are more if more conscious sense came into being and had happy experiences would that make up for all the people who died but then this is like the railroad thing right right exactly yeah because <laughs> it's like do you have to like add it up or is it just like no you killed a bunch of people it doesn't matter that you brought a bunch of other ones into existence because they didn't exist. Well, also before. killing a bunch of them too, like as it turns out, because a bunch of synths died <laughs> right. as well. Apparently, a lot more than humans. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we don't care about synths because you know they're toasters. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what uh, Angus said. Mean, she, she was like a hundred thousand humans died, and like a hundred million synths died, or something. Like a million. Synths. I want to know why there are so many goddamn synths. Like, what are people doing with their lives? <laughs> why can't we I live in that world? Right? Like, I want to be Wally and just, you know, sitting in a hovering recliner and eating bonbons. Um, <laughs> but, like, I guess, hmm, 
Yeah, I, I, I get what they're trying to do with Maddie and, like, having her feel guilty, but, like, I don't know. I kind of thought that she were, she was maybe a little bit more rational than that. I, I don't know the word that I'm looking for, but, like, I'm kind of... Her storyline was not my favorite this season, like, especially mm-hmm. where it ends up. And I'm like, Ugh, it always ends up with a fucking baby. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I... Joe hates no. babies. Uh, I mean, no offense I just, to babies, it, but... But actually, some. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know... Yeah, I, I mean, I, look, I mean, psychologically, I don't blame mm-hmm. Maddie. Like, if it was a, person, a real person, I wouldn't blame them for feeling that way. Like, when something goes wrong... You always blame yourself a little bit. Like, any sort of, like, person who's not a total sociopath will feel a little bit of, like, for things that have that, like, you throw a party and it rains, and then you're like, oh, I suck. Why do I throw parties in days that rain? Or whatever, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you didn't really know. Like, you know, you looked at the weather and it seemed like it was going to be fine, whatever. But you still feel like, no, I should have known, or something or another, right? You always have some way of thinking, I could have done better. Um, and if it's something this catastrophic, I can totally understand, like, you, you can't get it out of your head. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially, like, every it, story you hear, you know, like, we got that story right. in this episode about um, the four-month-old son from the Scottish guy. So, like, hearing that story over and over and over and over, how do you not hear those stories? Yeah. And you're like, I, my hands if are If I dirty. hadn't woken them up, that kid probably would be alive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the other characters are being dicks, though, like, by mm-hmm. just leaving her fester in her guilt, like, because they played a huge role in this. They mm-hmm. should be there for her and be like, yeah, no, look, we pushed you. You didn't do this single-handedly. You wouldn't have done she it needs, if you pushed, hadn't pushed you. She needs a Samwise in her life to tell her to share the load, and she doesn't have that. I mean, Leo... Leo's by her side, but he's just being like, it's not your fucking fault. Like, not, you know, I understand the guilt that you're feeling. Like, you know, it's on mm-hmm. all of us. Like, he's just being like, don't don't think about it. Let's bang. And you're like, yeah. listen, I know you were a six out of ten. Like, that's not really. Yeah. Yeah, he's not the yeah. person to comfort her because he doesn't know anything. He wasn't. Yeah. And he has a he shitty memory now. Of it. Yeah. So, it has, yeah, it has to be someone who was there. Who who is part of this and yeah can they could share the burden make her feel a lot better yeah, yeah. um she just definitely feel there... guilt for all of them is what I feel like it's mm-hmm. like they should all feel a little bit of guilt for this and she's feeling all of it for all of them and Laura is just in her happy land Niska is just going around murdering people Niska's um, gonna Niska. <laughs> but like uh, her emo album cover all these two episodes <laughs> but how can i mean because we've talked about this on the show like by the time you like widen your circle of fucks giving like beyond you know 20 or 30 people like how can maddie's guilt be i, I hate to say this but be like anything but performative or am i just like is this is this my robot heart showing? I think it's like your robot heart showing a little bit. I think that like on some <laughs> level she understands that like she didn't know. She she realizes all the little details that we're talking about, but it's like it's really hard to separate the emotional um toll that it takes and just like that little that little voice that keeps saying like, "Well, if I hadn't done that, this wouldn't happen. If I hadn't done that, this wouldn't." Happen. So like 
it's hard, I think, for the that to not eat away at somebody. And I'm sure she has her moments. Sometimes she's probably completely fine with what happened. And other times she's, like we see, like a complete mess. Yeah. Having feeling sex. Gross. <laughs> um, all right. Is there is there anything that you guys want to talk about with this episode before I move us into the second episode? Oh, I liked, Great. I really liked, no, oh. one, one last quick thing. I really liked the um, the conversation between Laura and, um, who was that lady? Who would, who was she in the commission? Oh, yeah, um, her, fuck, I can't remember her name, but she's great. I thought the, that was such a great conversation because. Nia? Do you want to. Nia? It could be Nia. Yeah, uh, Nia. Do you, do you want to read? Nia. Nia? Do you want to recap it real quick, Bubs? Yeah, like, so. Yeah, so this is shortly after her Scottish date guy um, unveils this data that she had didn't have access to, so wasn't able to defend against, and everyone votes um, to keep the, um, what's it called, the curfew in place for two more months. Um, and she's frustrated because she feels like Everyone is kind of, like, very dismissive of her. Like, why is she there? She's just there for, like, a formality, you know, to say that they're covering their bases. So she goes to complain to Niha, and um, and Niha kind of just, like, stops her. And it was such a great little moment where she kind of, like, showed her cards where she's like, no, like, we need you there, um, but you need to get to these people, and you need to find a way to do that. Like... It's not, like, obviously it's, like, not easy. It's, you know, but you have to, like, use whatever you have to get through to them. And it was just kind of, like, one of those moments where I think a lot of us sometimes feel like we have these tasks that are, like, impossible, but we're just not thinking of them more broadly. So it was, like, such a great pep talk, but also terrifying because, like, you see, like, how much weighs on her, like Max, that like the um the progress for synths like so much of it depends on her changing all these minds which i mean that must be terrifying to have that kind of responsibility um uh and so i just thought that was such a great weighty scene yeah it was mm-hmm. yeah um i think i actually like gave a bad summary at the last episode saying that the dryden commission actually went to to see uh max's camp or whatever so my bad on that uh it actually happens in this following episode because we end with laura having Mm -hmm. a stroke of genius and then you know they they actually go uh to the synth camp um so i i i think so one thing that i wanted to talk about as we got into that next episode and then and then i want to go shaheen into your into your stuff about um the dryden commission because you have some good notes there Mm -hmm. is (sighs) For all that the synths talk shit about humans, like, being shady and, like, untrustworthy and whatever, they are so quick to fall for other synths' tricks. Like, they somehow assume that, like, synths aren't shitty. Like, like uh, one of those, w- yeah. one synth telling the other to, like, you know, that, that Max told him to, like, go change his post so that, you know, they then this dude ends up letting Agnes out yeah. and, you know, while the, while the commission is there. And, like, it's happened a few times on the show where, like, synths just blindly trust other synths and it's like, you have consciousness, like, you have the ability to lie. Why do you assume that other synths aren't going to do that? You know what I mean? Like, it's just They're also like, supposed to be really good at detecting lies mm-hmm. um, and yet 
Though maybe because yeah. other synths can mask their, like, they don't have any human, they don't have a heart rate that's going to go up. They, like, yeah. have to, you know, set up a, 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 a video feed of trying to, like, learn human, you know, <laughs> facial features. So maybe because they don't have, you know, ticks or whatever that, that show that they're lying. But at the same time, yeah. like, you wouldn't just be like, let me check with Max about that since that yeah. order is not coming directly from him. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Max is clearly not running a tight ship there, because, like, if it was, um, if it was an actual, like, uh, military hierarchy structure, then you, you can't really do that. Like, you have, there's, you designated one person who can relieve you of your command, and you have to hear from that person. And yeah. no one can get offended at you, like, you think I'm lying? It's like, dude, that's not personal. Like, it's I can't protocol. leave my post until... This particular person tells me to do so. <laughs> like, it's yeah. not that I don't trust you. It's that those aren't the rules. Like, yeah. the rules have nothing to do with me trusting you. Anyway, that just, that that whole thing. I was just, are you fucking kidding me? Like, every goddamn time. Um, yeah. But anyway, let's uh, let's talk about the I'm so happy stuff. that, that uh, uh, Angus didn't get to do her shit. Mm. Right? Because, mm. like, she just... just fucking shit up yeah that, right. I'm, um, I'm glad that i know it's not gonna go anywhere but like i'm glad that that one was successful like it, we, we got a little success in that was a great <laughs> Which like is stressful moment though i was like because ah! I, yeah. I completely forgot what happened the first time around so i was definitely like on the edge of my seat waiting yeah. for what was gonna happen but then uh what's his name um mr courtesan being like being the one to like basically now that we know that he was you know shady the whole time like basically stopping her from fucking up his long game mm -hmm. you know like where you're like oh good he did something good and then you're like actually no later on we will find out that it was not good um mm -hmm. but i do want to talk to me I didn't about know that i thought he yeah anyway yeah i want to talk right? about like the, he... that visit. the dryden yeah yeah so um it's, didn't didn't Anton didn't he portray Max down the line? Am I making this up? I think so, but he gets mad. He changed. He has like a whole change of heart. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So he, he turns dark. Like yeah. He, yeah. That's what I thought. Like he, he's is is a, a sunny positive synth, and then he turns dark. Um. Yeah, but so I was thinking about the um, Dryden Commission's visit. And um, just to, you know, again, use that same framework that we talked about before, right? So if you think of like there are two main approaches you can have to consciousness, a reductionist approach and a functionalist approach. Um, there, are, It seems as though the major hurdle that Laura and pretty much everyone else, the sense advocates are facing is that most humans are not uh, functionalists. Most of them seem to be instinctive um, reductivists. Like they, and and so to recap again, like a functionalist, someone who says whether or not you have consciousness is a matter of what kinds of functions you can play. Um, and a reductivist is, some, is someone who says whether or not you have consciousness is a matter of what kind of a thing you're made of, right? <laughs> and so now. It seems like, yeah, so the problem they're facing is that most humans are, are reductivists. They think, well, look, these things are just not human. They're made of something else. Um, they don't have a brain. They don't have any 
So therefore, they don't have any feelings. To have feelings is to have a brain and signals going around. They don't have that. So they don't have feelings that we have. They don't have any human rights. Uh, human rights apply to things that are human. Um, and so um, if, if that's your attitude, right, then would it, can, can that attitude change, I guess, by visiting the camp? Can you, is like, visit, you visit the camp and you see, wow, look at all this beautiful art and science and, and everything. Does that then change you into thinking, um, maybe consciousness is not a matter of what you're, maybe consciousness is a matter of function? Or is it that Laura is hoping there not not everyone is a reductivist. There are some functionalists in there. They're just not convinced that the sense can play these functions, right? So, like, is that what she's hoping? I think she's trying to humanize them. So not so much that it's like either or, but you know, I think it's like what we we're talking about before when when there's like a problem that's like removed from you and you're not looking at it. You don't have to like think about it. Um, it's much easier to make these decisions, right? And so she wants to get them up close and personal and hopefully to have them make connections with these people so that when these decisions are being made, it's much harder for them to just say like, yeah, whatever, yes, that, yes, that, you know? And like, that's kind of like what pissed me off with that one guy who was like, um, oh, we all know you're here just for moral outrage, um, and the rest of us have to make the hard decisions. Like, I don't think that he's making it a hard decision at all. I think he's doing everything in his power to make it an easy de- decision. Um, and I think a lot of them, like, it's, they would rather do the easy, obvious thing um, that does, like, reduce risk factors, per se. Um, but then doesn't really require them to really think much or be creative or come up with other solutions, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, so you I, think I also she's think the, just trying the contact hypothesis. Yes, again. it's not about showing them the functions. Well, I think it's but, a little bit of both. It's not like a clear cut either or. I think it's a combination. Mm-hmm. Um, and through the contact stuff is how she would get to some of that other stuff. But I think that there was kind of a slight miscalculation for her. I mean, or at least we were we were shown a little bit of a miscalculation because her whole thing, you know, that she mentioned in the previous episode was like, you know, conscious synths, they would be the most amazing surgeons because A, you know, steady hands, like amazing, like they're fucking robots and they can do amazing things and they can also think, like they can problem solve beyond, you know, their programming. But if when we saw, you know, Max showing off their workshop and being like, we're, we are working on, you know, better battery packs that, you know, you know, solar packs that can like hold a charge better and do all that stuff. And like, you know, in seeing that on the one hand, you can look at it as, wow, this will be amazing for humanity. Like we could use this technology, like their brain power, they're going to advance us, you know, leaps and bounds, you know, we're going to see technology, technological advances that we couldn't have even dreamed of in a hundred years. Yes. On the one hand, on the other hand, you get into that idea of, you know, the Terminator hypothesis of like, now they can wipe us out even faster. Like if they could design this in, you know, the three weeks that they've been in this camp or however long it was, you know, how long is it going to take them to, you know, to mm-hmm. the other, to, to the other point of, you know, develop a virus that kills us or, you know, whatever self-driving cars that kill, you know, that kind of a thing. And so 
and you know we saw it again with i'm just gonna call him jamie tart because he's from ted lasso but uh Mm -hmm. the the synth explaining to uh the scottish guy that you know they they watch these videos on a loop so they can be better prepared for human interactions that their facial expressions can seem more real and stuff like that and you know he was sort of the scottish guy was kind of horrified of the exact read that that you know, the synth had on him, you know, it seems like you're happy, but you know, there's, there's sorrow behind, you know, in your eyes. And so that kind of precision was also terrifying. So I think, Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's kind of a mixed bag of this, uh, you know, to your point, Shaheen, you know, functionalism, as well as, uh, the, the, the contact, you know, the contact exposure is that, it can also then be used to kind of reinforce bigotry and fear because that's all really, you know, bigotry is, is, you know, you're afraid of the other and you could very easily sort of twist these things as reasons to, you know, to magnify your fear of, of the synths. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, when they were telling them the, about the um, solar panel and the power source they're inventing, Mm-hmm. I was like, don't tell them that. Now they're going to cut off the power right? even more. I was, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, shit. They're going to be power independent? That's not good. We got to do something even faster. Because they've lost their leverage or they will lose their leverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like their only leverage is that they control the power grid. Like, that's it. If the synths don't require power, like, it's not like you can like be like, you can't eat food. And you're like, well, mm-hmm. fuck you. I don't yeah. eat food. Like, Karen just has her food bag, but that's it. And it's just, like, it's sad that they can't, like, I wish they could have had a debate on screen about, like, well, look what they could do, like, how they could help our society. Like, imagine, like, solar panels being 45% more efficient in the next year. Imagine this and that and this, you know, like, all the different things that Synths could bring. And, like, I mean, if they're able to um, communicate this, seeing the value in them to the Synths, I think that's an amazing, like, starting point. Um, and then you could have in like the counter discussion about, um, well, then they could do weapons, then they could be independent, and then we have we won't have leverage. Then you can have that conversation, but it's like they immediately go to like worst case scenario, and it's just like to me, it reminds me of, um, you know, how like cheaters always assume their partner is cheating because were they to be in that situation, that's what they would do. <laughs> It just, to me, like, it just says, like, the worst thing about humans is that we just, like, assume the worst because we are the worst. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's kind of true. Like, this show does kind of show us that humans are kind of the worst. Yeah. I mean, did you see um, Joe trying to draw a strawberry? (laughs) Well, that's actually kind of a good segue because, like, Joe is sort of, he had exposure and it overwhelmed him and he didn't like it. And, you know, he was very reactive and then sort of, you know, hid himself away in in, in a non-synth community and became a grocer who's not very successful. Like, whatever. Okay, Joe. Um, but through Karen and and Sam, like, he's... It's different. You mm-hmm. know, he, like, he took them out on, like, basically a date, you know. Mm-hmm. He was weekend dadding with a different family. Um and, you know, decided, like, took the time to, like, come over to Karen's and be like, this is how you draw shitty food, kid. Like, you can't be so goddamn photorealistic. I loved that um, so much. And he was like, this is terrible. This is, well, obviously much more specifically than my human self can describe. Which I, I wonder if if this is sort of like like uh, a footnote in terms of, like, the, the contact 
theory of, you know, he was just in contact with quote unquote, the wrong set. Like he didn't like the danger. He didn't like the espionage or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever the fuck they were doing, but like to see, you know, something that he is super familiar with, you know, a mother and and child, like he's Mm -hmm. a dad, he's been married for a really long time. He loves his kids. Like to see that sort of humanizing of, of a synth, which, you know, one, one could argue, well, they would be the poster children for, you know, don't use Mia, use them, except we saw that, you know, at the end of this episode, the mother and child theory doesn't really, yeah, the the angry mob doesn't give a fuck. Um, but let's, do you guys have any thoughts about Joe and, and Karen and little Sam? Yeah, I think it, like, what you're saying, it's like, it gave him, um, because a lot of it was, you know, he lost his job. It was like he felt that he was being replaced by synths. And so in this scenario, he's finding that, like, um, out in the world, there's going to be a lot of diverse situations with synths. And, like, he's going to be able to find his place. He will find a way to kind of fit in and provide his own value. So I thought that that was nice. Yeah, I, I, did, um, I did too. <laughs> Sorry, I was on mute. Go ahead, Shane. I thought I I like that whole storyline. I thought it was really nice. It was obviously like sad the way it ended. Um, I again feel like that was a little wasted. Like same thing with Mia. Like Karen had a lot of potential, and Karen and uh, Joe had a lot of potential. And, yeah, I don't know. A lot of these just seem like, um, like little abstracts, and then like someone else can write an article about this. <laughs> well, I wonder if in season four we would have had we would have moved on to like um, what's it called um, the reincarnation of synth individuals, and then what that would have meant, because uh-huh. it was kind of like I can't believe. Um, that we're losing. So you think these they were characters. gonna bring her back? I mean, I have no idea. We'd have to like ask the creator, but um, I would hope so. Yeah. That's what I told myself. I mean, that it's something that I actually like wanted to sort of like definitely lead us into because we, you know, in this episode we got to we got to hear sort of tricklings of these two different faction ideas where you have um fuck what is his name not i don't want to call him his name is an anton um what is what is his damn name the the Which, courtesan guy oh antoine is it i thought it wasn't and I, I feel terrible um sorry it was uh anatole is is anatole. his name um yeah so that go. that we get to see he actually has religion like a religion has sprung up for the synths about their creator except unlike a lot of other religions except maybe mormonism i guess in a certain way because at least like john smith existed like provably mm-hmm. um you know they they can point to a very recent history and say that is our creator and like they definitely like you know have a mythology around him and sort of mm-hmm. you know they sort of are taking liberties because he's not there to be like this is actually what i meant to have happen to you guys or not happen you know whether or mm-hmm. not they become conscious so they're kind of going off on their own being like you know this was fate i have faith that this was going to happen so uh, you know on the one hand we have that religion coming up which i think is super interesting that synths come up with a religion and then we also have the idea of the um the synth who sleeps who you know is this other kind of mythology that comes that comes along with it mm-hmm. um and like 
you know, getting into like shit that we would have liked to have explored in season four. Um, the idea that religion is maybe a human trait or having faith is a human trait and that, you know, synths experience that or, or mm -hmm. are drawn to it or something. Like, I, I, I find that sort of an interesting idea and I don't know whether or not I agree with it. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. always comes back to, like, all the things that humans are predisposed to between conspiracy theories and religion. Um, it's, like, things that we evolved to do. And so it always goes back to, like, what would these synths really be keyed towards um, once becoming conscious? And, I mean, religion's a weird one to gravitate towards because, you know, with their extensive memory, um, all the information, that, because they're plugged into the internet basically at all times, um, it's hard to, like, imagine that that's where they would go. But at the same time, if there is like a truly emotional element to them um, and they're feeling like this lack of belonging um, in this persecution, like creating this story where, you know, in their story, they are, you know, the next generation, like they're they're the future. And so obviously that's like something to cling on to when things are rough and you're living in a bunker with no power and having no power is like having no oxygen to humans. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I can see why that would be, from a human perspective, why that would so be. So, like, they, they, are, they are telling their own story of Job, and, like, they are being put through suffering, not necessarily to a later purpose, but, but the idea that they became conscious and are therefore having to suffer through something, like, mm -hmm. that the consciousness, the, the suffering has to have, like, been purposeful in the sense of yes. like it was destined to happen that that their creator had this intent for them to reach this point yeah. and their suffering has meaning yeah. in that way yeah which i yeah again i find that like huh very huh. human very very human so it's again it's hard to see a synth going there but from a human perspective, very understandable to feel that way, given their position. And interesting that they wouldn't, I mean, I guess, like, Max didn't really know about it, you know, so he didn't, like, he couldn't, like, you know, talk to the Dryden Commission about it. But, like, would that have been helpful or hurtful? Or is it, like, suddenly, like, oh, fuck, now they have religion, too. Like, Jesus Christ, like, is that <laughs> scary, you know? Because, like, religious fanatics have not historically been super great ever overall. Yeah. Um, yeah, so going back to the question of, like, why, or whether, like, sin, whether sense would have religion, um, I think it depends on why you think religion exists, right? So, one idea behind religion, one explanation for why religion exists in such a uh, universal phenomenon that you see in every society um, is that re religion is basically like um, uh, like proto science? Like it's it's supposed to Explain answer some of your, mm -hmm. right answer your questions and and remove the sense of wonder and confusion and and uh, just um, terror of of the world that we live in um, and make you feel like you know what's going on and who's in charge and what's going to happen. 
Um, and so if you think that's the main driver of religion, then it would make sense, right? Because the sins are lost and they're confused and they're scared. Um, and then, so this would like give them some answers to their questions and things like that. Um, another idea behind why religion or for why religion exists is, uh, that it, it's basically a mechanism for creating cohesion. This is, um, an idea that Emile Durkheim, French sociologist had, um, in his, um, book called the, um, I think it's called the early forms of religious practice where he talks about like very early forms of religion in like um, tribal societies where there's usually like a totem and there's like some, you know, uh, collective rituals and stuff. And, and he thinks that that's, if you go to back to those um, sorts of societies, you can uh, understand where religion comes from much better. You can see it there very obviously that the, the religion is basically a social cohesion mechanism like they get together and they um um they do a ritual and everything and they they recite this story about how they're all united under one thing and there is uh one or like one set of creatures that are in charge basically that's like in religion that's a metaphor for society so like to create social cohesion um you create deities the deities essentially are representing the society as it were the the thing that goes beyond every individual so and this is sort of evidenced by the fact that a lot of times in history religion has served a unifying purpose like islam very obviously served the purpose of unifying arab tribes that were all like worshiping their own gods and their own they had their own pantheon and everything or you know pagan religions um and muhammad came and said look it's all one god get rid of all these multitude of gods there's just one god and and that united all the arabs together under one banner right so um if that you if you think that's the role of religion then you would think, okay, with the sense is it, I think they're not like really utilizing it well. Like you don't see people going to service and like feeling a sense of community and cohesion that could actually help them like get through some of this stuff maybe. And also like unite them. It doesn't seem like they use it to unite themselves. I don't know. I don't know if, what is his name? Anatole? Mm-hmm. Does he have like Sunday services? <laughs> Um, but yeah, so those are some of the, hmm. yeah, it depends on what you think religion exists, I guess. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah, for him, it's more like the Crusades, almost. Um, hmm. so. How do you mean? Well, just more, like, I think, it, well, just even like what Agnes is saying, um, of like wanting to fight back. And uh, maybe it unifies them, but it unifies them against a cause. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It definitely seems like it's more along the lines of, like, have, like, 
wanting some answers to your questions and yeah yeah like fucking religionist and they don't like <laughs> the, they don't stri- derive another i mean another role of religion is um morality right like that's how moral values used to be communicated um but they don't seem to do that either um like it's i mean <laughs> elster was obviously a horrible person and and i like that about the <laughs> story that like this this god character was actually a horrible person and this genius um but anyway they like are they deriving any morality from it like being like elster said do this and that or elster said be nice to your neighbors or <laughs> i don't know like it doesn't seem to be that way so yeah it's an interesting question what function does this religion serve for them why do they have it yeah um and like how does that relate it into the into the synth who sleeps which is sort of like another like not a deity theoretically like we find out later that it's an actual like yeah. synth that exists as opposed to sort of like you know a theoretical sky wizard as the case may be but though their religion yeah. isn't even based on a theoretical sky wizard it's attributing ideas and thoughts and meaning behind somebody who did live because they're one of the few people who can be like that's my fucking creator like we can't you know we can do that now i can do that you know mom well (laughs) mom your vagina there we go but like um but you know like religion wise um that kind of a thing so Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah but you know then we'll get into stuff with uh with with the synth who sleeps who is still living you know it's, it's kind of a, a, an interesting thing where it's like okay um you know the the guy who created them did exist existed very recently we can point to him but we can also just kind of make up what we think he would want or what meaning you know that that he wanted us to become conscious like they're they're kind of extrapolating that whether or not it's true we don't know but they can at least go that that guy existed you know, uh, where we can we can argue on this podcast whether or not other religions actually have basis in fact, you know, that, that gets a bit nebulous, but, you know, stuff over hundreds or thousands of years, you know, the details get a little fuzzy, but they act, you know, he actually existed. And Odie, who, sorry, spoiler, but whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, is the synth who sleeps. He's, you know, well, I, I guess with Odie, the term... V. V, right, sorry, in Odie's body. I forgot about V. But, yeah. like, that that becomes you know, a prophet, I guess, like is, you know, a living prophet. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I it, it's interesting that, that they have a real, I'm, I'm using the term real religion in the sense of like, it is modern and concrete and, you know, not to say flesh and blood, but like in some ways, yes. Does that make sense? Tangible, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like if, um, if a human suddenly had a mutation to have wings, and then all of us would be like, whoa, holy shit. You know, it kind of like makes you wonder. I feel like that's kind of like what V slash Odie is, the sleeping. Mm-hmm. It's like the next step. I don't know. Well, we never get to see where that goes. So before we wrap it up, I, I definitely do want to mention the whole Karen part um, because it is fucking sad. Like of all things, like they made me really sort of like Karen, like she's kind of prickly and 
of all Karens, as your note says, to be punched in the face, why this one? Because, um, like, she... Karen was a really interesting character, I think. Mm-hmm. One of the more interesting sense, like, I liked her heads and shoulders above, you know, Max and Leo and whatever other forgettable ones. And, like, not to be whatever, like, Mia's got the eye candy, but Karen does have the personality. Like, I think that, you know, mm-hmm. Niska is obviously my favorite because <laughs> Niska's great. And I, I know that we didn't really talk too much about her, you know, her sort of undercover finding out about these, you know, terrorists and stuff like that. Um, but, like, Karen. Karen... Yeah. Doing the only way that she could protect Sam Ugh. by getting beaten to death by a fucking mob, and then just kind of left in the street. Like it's it's a really icky um, indictment of humans themselves. Like, would you? Like, are we in office space, like, fucking taking the the fax machine out and beating it with a baseball bat and then just leaving it in a field? Like, it was really upsetting. It was really upsetting because, I mean, it doesn't look like the fax machine. It looks like a human. (laughs) And, um, and just, like, oh, that was... Sorry, it was a printer, I think, but... Oh, whatever it was. (laughs) It's been a while since the 90s. Fax machines print. I'm doing my best. So Um, they do. But, like... I, the only, my only consolation in that moment was all she ever wanted to be is a mother, and in that moment she gave her body to her child, and so she got to do that. I guess. Hmm. Sad. I um. Sad. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really sad. Obviously, um, I I do. Now, from like a philosophical point of view, I am puzzled by the human's behavior. Um, and it's a sort of like a mirror image of what I was saying about the sense, like being a little inconsistent with their functionalism. Because like, so on the sense part, it was like, well, either you, you're a functionalist or you, you're a reductivist, if we assume those are the options. And, you know, again, sort of this question is like, maybe those are not the only options. So what is the other option? But like, if those are the only options, then, um, like, if you're a functionalist, then you, you think, okay, the green eyes are conscious and the uh, orange eyes are not. So it's not wrong to beat up an orange eye, but it's wrong to beat up a green eye. Um, and on the other hand, if, if you're a reductionist, then you think that it's not wrong to beat up any of them. And then, on the other hand... Whereas, like, since want to kind of have it both ways. And then the humans also seem to want to have it both ways because they, on the one hand, they say, look, these aren't uh, people, they're appliances, they're uh, it's a fax machine or whatever, um, so it's not wrong to to kill it or to beat it up. Um, but then they, if, if that were the case, if you truly thought that they're not conscious beings with agency, then you can't really call them killers, right? Like, you can't, like, if, you, if the fax machine kills someone, you don't, like, you're not mad at, like, you don't take revenge on the, on the fax machine, right? Because mm-hmm. you understand it's not, they don't make a choice to do that. So it's like the way that humans are mad at the synths 
and are like call them killers and murderers and things like that and they have like this visceral reaction that's the reaction you have to something that has agency you that you think has agency um so it's a little inconsistent right like which is it <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean you're asking humans to be rational in, in their bigotry and so i think that's like a tall order like, but I mean, like, what do you think is going on in their mind? Because, like, there, something is going on in their mind. And we're trying to figure out what is the principle that they're using in their head. I mean, I guess you could always say nothing. It's just all confused. Mm. But, like... I think I think it's less about sort of a principle that you're talking about. And I think that for them, it's vengeance. Like, I think it's just pure fucking vengeance. Like, it doesn't... It's... Since but again, vengeance he- isn't that like against vengeance is against something that has agency, right? Well, but this is also was this not the the synth free town too that this happened in? So these people are already like yeah against Primed. yeah, and so they're they definitely as, as well, a that's, hmm? sorry. I mean that's exactly my point. These are the people who don't think that synths are uh, conscious. They don't think synths have any sort of agency, right? They think that sense are just appliances. Well, no, I, I wouldn't go well, that far. No, I, they just don't think that I they think deserve rights. It doesn't matter whether they're They don't think that they not. deserve rights and they don't want to be around them. Like, they don't even want orange eyes near them. Like, they don't want synths at all, conscious or not, is right. my is my understanding. So, so, like... Right. So, I mean, it, it could be... To, to, it could be both groups of people could be there, right? So, like, that sense-free community, you're saying is, it can consist of both functionalists and reductivists, because, like, the functionalists would, would think, um, so, like, I get, yeah, like, I mean, in principle, it's possible that someone is a functionalist and either doesn't think the, um, the synth meet the functional requirements, um, or thinks that they do meet the functional requirements, but still thinks it's it's okay to kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That would be harder for me to wrap my head around. Um, but I mean, that's that's kind of where I lean with it, to be honest, because like you, I I don't think that any of them. I think I think that the the way that the story that I'm seeing it as presented is showing like. Yes, these people who don't think that synths deserve any rights because they are not human. I, I think that they still interact with them and, and can understand that they are not the same as orange synths. You know what I mean? Like whether or not how they would describe them being, a, you know, conscious or unconscious or something like that. Like, I, I don't think that there's any arguing that they are capable of some sort of thought, some sort of, you know, spontaneity or something like that. Like you know, that, that sort of thing, the way that they're interacted with, like, you know, saying insulting things to them, like, if you didn't believe that they had some sort of feelings, um, that, you know, why would you jeer at them? Why would you like tell them to go the fuck home or like get out of your town or, you know, that sort of thing. Like, so that sort of jeering, they know that it hurts them. They know that like, it has an effect, but they refuse to see the humanity in it having an effect on them. Does that make sense? Like that guy in um 
San Francisco who punched that elderly Asian woman and told her to go back to her country. It's like, right. that was Where, absolutely not reasonable. And that was a human being, unquestionable, <laughs> unquestionably a human being. But they don't see that, but but he didn't see her as a person. Of equal value, yeah. Yeah, so well, I, think, I think it I becomes mean, value. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, uh, it's one thing, that, like, okay, so someone was mean to someone else. But in this case, it seems like, um, the idea is, look, these things have just no rights at all. Like, they, they're, uh, yeah, like, they're appliances, right? That's, that's the argument that a lot of the humans make. And, like, and they call the, the orange eyes, so you're absolutely right. They do differentiate between the orange eyes and the green eyes, right? And you might ask, wait, if you think they're all just appliances, then what is the difference? Mm-hmm. But, they would say there is a difference. The difference is that the green eyes are malfunction, right? So they had they were supposed to their pro, original programming was supposed to be such that like they do what we tell them to do, uh, and then someone hacked them and installed a virus, and now that virus is telling them to do all sorts of anomalous things, um, and that is what you call making their own decisions. So from if you're attributing agency to them, you say they're making their own decisions. But if you're not, you just say they're malfunctioning. They're doing weird things. Um, if that's the person's attitude, then I don't understand how they can be mad at the sin, right? Um, now I agree that there. Are, that's not every. There are probably. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is not very clear. Like, what again? What are the humans thinking? It's just a, an angry mob throwing stuff it's like what are they thinking like are are they some of there's no nuance with the humans like are some of them do some of them believe that these things are appliances and therefore obviously that we know but do some of them think these these are more than appliances they are actually they do have some kind of uh agency or or they agree that they have quality or something or another and yet they still think it's okay to hurt them. Is that also a thing? Like, we're not told much about the state of mind that the humans are in, other than that they're mad. Because, like, I think, like, yeah, it's a horrible accident that happened, but why are people so angry at the sins? Because... Because they want someone to blame. Like, I, I think, I think, and we've gotten into this trap a few times, I think, with, with, with various shows that we've followed, especially talking about, like, mobs and stuff. And I feel like you try so hard to, like, be like, let's pin down what's happening with an angry mob. And it's like, you can't do that. It's an angry mob. Well, they surely you aren't can. Like, rational. <laughs> but that's, it's, you get hung up on rational, which is not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for consistent. Well, I think the, well, the again, consistent, like, consistent probably different is reasons different from rational for each each individual. Plus, some people like violence, the escalation some of the mob sense. situation. So, yeah, you maybe you have some people who live there because they were traumatized by what happened. You have some people who live there um, because they feel like they're afraid. They're afraid. Um, other people like Joe, who feels like since stole their livelihood was taking over their work changing the world in a way that shouldn't be so there's this resentment um 
Right, because Joe isn't afraid of synths. Like, he's had enough interactions with them that he's not afraid of them. He's not afraid of Karen. He's not afraid of Mia, or, sorry, Mia, of, or, I mean, Niska everyone should be a little bit afraid of. But, like, he doesn't He doesn't come from a place of fear and bigotry in that way. He's just, like... His fear was from helping them. The, yeah. the danger of trying to help them. Would then bring danger to the family. onto him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's I funny mean, because I he think that tried in... to do that and lost his family. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, we use the these words um, like hate and fear, and like phobia generally indicates both of those things: um, hate and fear of something. Um, but they're not very helpful in in understanding the state of mind of the people that we're trying to understand, like, um, or criticize or whatever. It's um, like. Yeah, most most of the people that we describe as like being hateful or or fearful, they they don't literally have those feelings that we normally call hate or fear. Like hate is like when I mean, a lot of the humans in in this show do seem like they have genuine hate. Where like to me, mm-hmm. genuine hate is like when you actively want to hurt the thing. So or the person, and like you, as soon as you come across it, you just want to hurt it. Right mm-hmm. to me, that's hate, and I think that's uh, that usually only happens if you've had some contact. Um, the people who don't, who haven't had any contact uh, with the other group, they it's hard to hate someone who you haven't had very little contact with. It's usually uh, some other feeling that we we simplify by describing as hate. So I don't think that's very helpful in trying to understand, like. It's one thing to say it's irrational. A lot of things are irrational. Arguably, most <laughs> things we, we do are irrational. Even the decisions that you make with the, you know, where you spend the most time reasoning through it, they might be irrational. Uh, ir- being irrational is a very high uh, uh, bar um, that most of us fail to meet. Um, the, but but the, we, there's something driving our behavior, right? Like there's some mechanism in your brain that's driving your behavior and i'm trying to find that right and so that is like there's one there's something that's driving it unless it's like total chaotic i mean you could say it's like chaotic thing your brain is just doing random things like you're not really yeah you know like i mean it's kind of like that cat like i always have that question about like the cat that adopted the ducks the the ducks the ducklings i'm like what is the cat thinking like what exactly is going on is i'm not trying to make it rational i'm just trying to (laughs) realize what is going on in the cat's head like is the cat thinking these ducks are different from other ducks or is that cat thinking these aren't ducks at all like it just doesn't see them as ducks is it you know so like that's the sort of thing i'm like when when a hateful human sees a synth what do they see do they see a conscious being something with agency that they're really mad at um hypothetically what if they're really mad so the understanding is that synths are very expensive and what if they're just super pissed that like this really expensive thing that they bought is suddenly like deuces i'm not (laughs) folding your laundry anymore and i'd be like are you gonna pay me back and the synth is like no i'm a free person you're like the fuck you are like maybe people you know maybe it really is economic anxiety and p.s i stole your job <laughs> like, and your apartment because 
Because, you know, the one argument that I could see, like, making a lot of sense in this world is, yeah, you, and, you know, The Expanse touched on this as well, um, that, you know, in a world where everything is so automated, or at least the jobs are not done by people, unless there is then another way that people are taken care of, which it doesn't seem like there is necessarily in this world. Like, it doesn't seem like there is, you know, a way for everyone to have purpose or, you know, universal basic income or, you know, whatever it is in this world. You know, I can definitely understand that kind of resentment. Like, you know, whether or not I agree with it or something, like, definitely not the case. But, like, to be like, this is a tangible thing that I can point to and say, this is why my life isn't what I was promised. Like they've, you know, they took our jobs, um, but like actually like they really did. And like for Joe, I think that he gives a really good example of that being like, you know, I just keep getting replaced. Like, and you know, it's put my family in danger. Like, I don't agree with Joe's choice because he kind of shot himself in the foot and like lost his family. Um, but the resentment that he has towards the world that sort of, he didn't have a choice in in doing anything about, you know, y- you can kind of understand that. Mm-hmm. But again, to your point, Shaheen, like in terms of like trying to like sort of pin down what's going on with a mob, like I think that the show definitely goes a little bit over the top because, you know, we talked about why haven't, you know, why aren't there more like, you know, people like Laura, for example, you know, trying to work with synths and that sort of thing. Like, you know, I think that the show kind of strongly overcorrected in, you know, trying to show us this like big angry mob. Like, who the fuck? I mean, I guess maybe it's because everyone's unemployed that they can stand outside Mia's house and just Mm -hmm. yell at her all day and all night. Like, maybe that's, you know, maybe it really is that kind of an issue. But, you know. There's something in that society that I kind of, you know, again, maybe in season four would have explored a little bit, especially once we kind of got into the idea of, you know, a human synth hybrid that like, where does that, where, what do we do with that bigotry? And like, you know, those feelings, where do we put that with people? Because, you know, the, the, the green eyed synths aren't going away. Like what, how do you, how do you deal with that? And so, you know, we just have this sort of shorthand for like, you know, an angry mob, but at the same time, there have, their angry mobs have been shown to like, you know, they rile each other up and, you know, things get worse and worse. And sometimes there's a tipping point. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, people are just angrily shouting and then, you know, somebody, you know, breaks a window and suddenly all hell breaks loose. And whether or not those people necessarily were like, fuck that window, no, but you kind of get swept up in it. And so I wonder, you know, if that's kind of what it's talking about. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a phenomenon known as deindividuation, which is um, that humans show more extreme re- uh, and sort of like more extreme behavior and behaviors that they would normally consider not okay when they're in groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we see this in like sports stuff a lot when people like go to a sports game and they do all kinds of crazy shit that like personally they wouldn't do. <laughs> um flipping cars so yeah that's yeah that's definitely a thing but yeah i think it's been like taken to an extreme and sort of at the expense of like giving us a coherent idea of what these people are even thinking like yeah mm-hmm. do what? they still think of them as appliances are they do they not think you know so on the one hand, they're mad. Does that mean like they think, oh, these things have consciousness and they're really bad, they're evil, they they screwed us up, they killed us, whatever? Or do they think they don't have consciousness? Yes, I'm a little confused about that. 
Um, it seems like both having it both ways. Like you can't be so angry, uh, and at the same time think these are just unthinking, unfeeling machines. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that part of the like satisfaction for the mob is if you accept that they are thinking and feeling because then there is a sense of punishment because yeah beating beating the shit out of a a printer with a baseball bat like you know rationally that the printer print job it's not yeah like the printer doesn't the printer doesn't feel or care but like so that that sense of satisfaction that you like later on that night you're not gonna think like fuck yeah i showed that printer like fuck that printer you know what i mean but like (laughs) later on you know i don't doubt that like there would have been people that went home after they killed you know karen and been like fuck yeah showed that synth you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like yeah i think i think that that for that mob mentality to happen i think a lot more people than are willing to admit to themselves that like they do see synths quote unquote as people but like that they don't like right. them and want to punish them for whatever. Um, yeah. But, and do we have anything else to say about this? Otherwise there's one other thing that I wanted to touch on before we wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the sort of the flip side of that, of like people, you know, whether or not they see you know, an angry mob seeing one synth representing all synths. I think it's a really kind of interesting story that we have. Uh, and, you know, I, I said that we weren't going to talk about Niska, but then I remembered like kind of a, an important conversation we had with Astrid. Like Niska came to us as a character who fucking hated people because she was conscious and yet like made to, you know, she was, a, she was, an, you know, a prostitute against her will. And she like just had to fucking do it. And she hated people. And so like, it's been a story of her learning to trust. And, you know, she has a human that she loves and, convinced herself that you know killing the person who did the bombing would you know heal astrid and astrid being like you did it for you like you took that revenge for you um and i thought that like that sort of scene like between them and sort of this friction that happened and the one person that niska really cares about and values a she found a person that she cares Mm -hmm. about and values um and then to like sort of be heartbroken by that person or to have broken that person's heart i i should say like because i think it was more that she realized that like she hurt astrid by doing that um Dude, yeah she, i don't know astrid seems kind of nonchalant about it like i would have broken up with niska if she'd done that if because you would have viewed a synth as like that Niska killing a synth would have been equally as bad as as killing a human. Um yeah. I mean, for one thing, she murdered someone. Um like if you believe synths deserve human rights, then you Niska murdered someone yeah. for quote unquote for you when she didn't ask her to. Like that's not said, that's not that. the rights that we give to humans. We give them the right to due process. And so uh you can't just go find someone and murder them because it's justice. That's what we were talking about last time. Is the fundamental reason why justice and revenge are not the same is not because the outcome isn't the same, but because the process isn't the same. Justice, according to, to some theories of justice, is just about the process, not about the outcome. So it's not about whether that guy, that synth, deserved to die, but we... Even if they do deserve to die, it has to go through the right kind of process. Otherwise, it's... Vigilante shit. Yeah, it's unfair. And so, for one thing, and then uh, also I would broken up with her because 
she murdered someone and she's putting it on me? Bullshit. <laughs> Obviously, you did that for yourself. Get that shit out of my face. Like, that's just, that's straight up abusive. You can't do something like that and then just say that you did it for me. You obviously did that for you. I said, don't do it. And you kept doing it. Like, it's ridiculous. This Niska is just, that's not okay. Does Niska get a, any kind of a pass as she is somewhat new to humanity? And going through an emo phase. Uh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, do, do you agree that, that that's abusive? Like, you can't do something that big and then say you did it for me. Like, put it on me. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I I really do appreciate that they had Astrid specifically say you did it for you. Mm-hmm. Like that Astrid's like in some ways the fucking MVP of this show. Like she and Laura need to like just be in charge of everything. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> But So, I guess this is a segue to my well actually slash pity bullshit. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Let's wrap this the shit up. I have Indian food I got to get to. <laughs> Girlfriend just texted oh, and said that she she ate too many crackers while while watching TV, and I all I heard was that I'm gonna get to eat her extra samosas. So let's <laughs> oh, do this, right? Fucking samosas. So sorry. Do you think well that, actually? Yeah, and this this not well actually exactly. But do you think that Aster was supposed to be killed in the bombing, and they just thought like from the optics of another, like, bury your gaze type of thing, it would be too awful, and they decided to just have her be injured. Well, if that was the decision, then good on that. <laughs> going down <laughs> hey, that path again. Good call. <laughs> um, I, didn't, I didn't really read it that way. I think, I think that... I think that the story sort of spun out a little bit in that, you know, we aren't focusing as much on Niska anymore, and so it does seem like Astrid's a little bit of, like more of a side plot than she had been before because she was a lot more central um but i think her as sort of niska's touchstone to actual humanity like the one person that niska actually gives a shit about um i think i think that she's still very important in serving that purpose because astrid isn't her robot that she just gets to like do whatever like she is a person who is like i disagree like i you know i i think i think her being around is still important for niska um but i'm i'm equally glad that they did not bury a gay um yeah i mean it's it's good that they did not bury a gay but it it does feel a little weird the story like usually this sort of thing a character does this when someone dies like Mm -hmm. oh someone i love died in the bombing i'm gonna go kill you but like astrid is fine she got a little scratch. Like, it's not... <laughs> it's not like... I mean, at least have her be, like, I don't know, like, paralyzed or something. But then she couldn't teach her that her robot white rays were wrong. I mean, I don't think it's any I weirder mean, than um, Weenus coming back. Oh, then, then Ed? Mm-hmm. I mean... Like, yeah. I mean, nothing happened to us. Like, and yet she's in the hospital, hospital for 14 for years because they actually have you know good health care there and for, sure it's not clear like, for you. why she's not like what is yeah for what she's fine she seems like she should be released <laughs> I, I like anyway, that's the thing so that's like, my Niska, one petty bullshit i had I, I i approve like i think that if niska had been like you know uh 
I'm doing this like I this was fucked up you got injured all these other people died whatever but like she framed it as she did it for Astrid and Astrid's like fuck you yeah no um I think that, that was kind of an important distinction and you know it's a lesson for for Niska to learn um Bubs do you have any well actually is there petty bullshit that you'd like to bring up um, I think I actually did all my well actually as well we were going through it so no I do not have any well actually so petty bullshit sadly um, I have another one. So the the apartment that Mia rented, <laughs> it was disgusting. It was filthy. Is that how every flat in London is when you rent it? Well, the like, ones you can <laughs> afford, probably. Like, don't they clean it before they rent it out? I, I I have some slight relevant experience to this, and only that the last time I was in London, we stayed at some Airbnb, and like, we, you know, London's fucking expensive when we're trying to be, like, relatively cheap and, um, and we were traveling around Europe and stuff, so, you know, it was all gonna be fucking expensive, and so I rented this Airbnb and it looked nice on paper or whatever, and then we go to check-in, and what we didn't quite realize in the photos was that there are no goddamn windows. So we're in a fucking basement, there's no windows, like, there's no anything, like, you know, you expect an Airbnb to be, like, an, an apartment with, like, maybe some forks or a couple of plates because they have a kitchen. No, there was fucking nothing. There was a bed and no windows and you're in a basement. And I was like, okay, so to your point, Shaheen, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Like, I mean, it was clean, I guess I could say. But yeah, that place was a fucking slum dump. Like, it was gross. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I felt bad. Like, Mia should have had a nicer place, but. Maybe she didn't have any money. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're just like, oh, fuck the synth. We're, we're just, let's just give her the dirtiest apartment we haven't cleaned yet. <laughs> yeah, like, at, at the very least, you get, like, a move-in clean. Like, that's that's kind of standard. I mean, but then again, maybe it's different in the UK. Maybe you're expected to do the cleaning. I I, I don't know. Maybe some of our British yeah. friends um, could Cultural answer this differences. for us. Cultural differences. Yeah. Um, so I just have one little well, actually, or just maybe just a nugget. Um and you know it's just me like grasping at straws but you know i i'm i'm charlie on on it's always sunny with his conspiracy board so um when leo and maddie go to the school and she's shocked he's never been in a school and he's like you know and you mentioned he was quote practically raised by wolves um it's a little funny because years later as i i I can't remember if i talked about this on the podcast or if i watched it uh, while we were during hiatus but there was a ridley scott sci-fi tv show called raised by wolves that is actually about synths raising children <laughs> um so it it goes off the rails but like it, the show raised by wolves it, it wow there was i don't somebody come and yell at us on the maybe geek again so we can actually talk about this because i haven't been able to decompress about any about this show with anyone but yeah there was a, a sci-fi tv show uh this past year called raised by wolves that was about um a male and female like synths who are arguably like conscious synths like they have feelings and whatnot um raising raising infants and into children so there you go (laughs) that's all i got um any movies and or tv shows or media or books or games or a billboard that you saw on the side of the road that you'd like to recommend to anyone uh bubs so I will talk about Jesus saves lives. The- <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Those are the billboards I see. <laughs> Buckle up. 
Oh, dear. <laughs> um, I guess we'll talk about the two latest K-dramas that I'm watching. Um, okay. The first is called Oh My Ghostess, and the synopsis is um, a virgin ghost needs to um, cure her vexation so that she can move on to the afterlife. And being a virgin ghost, you can guess what her vexation is. What could it be, Bubs? <laughs> So she's basically, like, possessing people, and, like, you can talk about, like, consent issues, um, but when I go into K-drama land, I kind of just, like, ignore most things. <laughs> um, yeah. And so she just kind of possesses people and then just throws herself at different guys. Um, but the problem is, because she's a ghost, um, not all of them can handle her energy, so she's, like, sent a few people to the hospital. <laughs> um, so she's trying to find a quote-unquote virile man. Who can handle her. And so thus starts this murder mystery slash comedy romance. <laughs> so the usual K-drama genre. Exactly. Which is what I love about them. Because you get a little bit of everything. Um, and then when I went to my cousin's baseball game. Because my aunt and uncle were out of town. Um, and I had to take him. Um, obviously baseball is maybe the most boring thing on the planet. So I had to download something from Netflix because my other my other Korean drama app doesn't let you download stuff. So I downloaded episodes. How old is your cousin? He's he's old enough to drive, but he has the seizure thing. Okay, so so he wasn't like a seven year old, like sad that you didn't oh, watch no. him like a T ball, oh, no, no. like like you were not breaking his heart, being like Auntie Bubs. Or no, no, he's seventeen. Bubs, look at me, but no, he's okay, really okay. into baseball. To the oh my god, he's like the sweetest thing ever. He comes to me like all excited. He's like, oh, guess what? You know, because COVID restrictions are all over the place. He goes, I just wanted to make sure you knew that like two people are allowed for each kid to go to every game, so you can come to any game that you want. <laughs> and I was oh, like, buddy, bless like, your I'm gonna watch K drama while you're playing. I wish that I liked baseball more just for him because he's like the sweetest, cutest thing. Um, but most of the time I keep having to remind him, I'm just like, you know, um, baseball's just not everybody's thing. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I downloaded something else from Netflix and it was called, um, what was it? Romance is a bonus book. And um, it was like, I only watched the pilot because I did try to be a good cousin. Um, and it was just, like, an amazing pilot. Probably one of the best Korean drama pilots I've seen. It had, like, some, like, musical sequences, but not, like, in an overly cheesy way, just, like, in, like, a, a fun, pumpy-up way. Um, and so I'm excited to actually get into that one once I finish Oh My Ghostish, which I'm, like, I think I have four episodes left. Anyways, in case you're wondering what I'm watching in Korean drama land, which I'll be there for a while, that's where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Um, I have some to recommend to you offline, but uh, Shaheen, yes. what what do you have to recommend? Um, I'm gonna re-recommend Harmon Quest, much to Joe's chagrin. <laughs> um, <laughs> One of these days, I'll it's okay. Watch. I only have re-recommendations too. Like it's fine. Yeah, I um, so um, wife and I started. I mean, I started showing Harmon Quest to um my wife. And uh, she liked it. So that's why I'm recommending it again, because that's just proof that I'm not the only one who likes it. So <laughs> The um, person who agreed to marry you also liked it, so... Um, or also yeah, likes you enough I mean, to say that she likes it. 
sound it's not real there, feelings buddy. did we decide that yet <laughs> <laughs> um no i mean it's we like definitely i wasn't sure she was gonna like it and that's why i think it's a significant thing because uh yeah i mean i think one thing definitely that hooks her is uh, all the comedians. So every episode, there's a, a guest comedian mm-hmm. um, role-playing. So it's just hilarious watching them. If you know the comedian, it's even funnier um, to watch them. Like you can see Aubrey Plaza or whoever, um, Paul F. Tompkins um, do their funny things. So that definitely hooks you up. And then um, animation. Who doesn't like animation? Mm. So, it's true. So, Harmon um, Quest. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I will go back to to two re recommendations. Uh, the first one being re recommending Snowpiercer. Um, because uh, we're just about to finish up season two. Um, which was fucking really great. Though, depending on, I don't know where it's gonna go, and I really hope that only part of it is like season seven Bellamy and not all of it. Um, oh, but basically, God. one of the characters, one of the characters that we really, really, really fucking love on the show, has been MIA for a lot of the season, um, which is a bit annoying. But at the same time, um, uh, they there's there's a cast member that joins season two who's fucking amazing, and God, you just hate and cringe not cringe like are so like uh just wound up and nervous when they're on screen because they're just like just a fucking sociopath but like fuck this show is so good like it is so much better than it has any right to be being like just a normal show on tnt but it's excellent like snowpiercer is so 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 good um and then i'm also re-recommending uh ted lasso because the rule in our house is that we have to make it through a, a watching the whole season without my girlfriend crying um <laughs> at least one like she cries in a number of episodes um warranted but like we have to make it through a season without her crying before we can like not keep rewatching it on a loop um and we recently restarted the season and we will be watching it again because she's already cried like five times um so i i, I good tears not in a like sad happy way. tears or like happy tears like happy like okay, it's, it's such a sweet sweet wonderful okay. show i cannot believe neither of you have watched it just fucking do it it's easy I don't have it's Apple funny plus. You have the fucking internet, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, anyway, Ted Lasso, amazing, funny. It's so funny. The crying is not out of sadness. It's about the show being just sweet and, okay. you know, people triumphing. Um, do you guys have anything else before I let us all go and eat our double samosas? I think it's okay. Nope. All right, great. Um, I feel like today went better than I expected because my expectations are really low and we walked right over that limbo bar that's on the ground. Um, so thank you guys for being here and talking shop and humans. And I guess we'll be back next time with 305 and 306. I guess I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> All right, take it easy. Bye.